I'm going to put it in, y'all. It is open form Friday. It is a beautiful day outside. I'm going to put it in, y'all. It is open I'm gonna put form it in, y'all. Friday. It is a beautiful day outside. I'm going to put it in, y'all. Welcome to High Frequency Radio. Y'all know how we do it on Friday. It's open mic. You know, we usually can talk about whatever we want to talk about. That's how we do it on Friday. I'm going to put it in, y'all. Like one of the main topics on this show is public and private. And, you know, what we try to do is we try to, get, try to educate people on the difference between public and private and, you know, the significance of that, why why it's so important for people to be private. I'm going to put it in, y'all. There is a master slave relationship going on, all right, that these people are, are, these people are doing. I'm going to put it in, y'all. You know, when you depend on the government, you know, when you depend on the government, you become subservient to the government. Y'all out there think it's all good and everything. Y'all don't know what the hell is I'm going on. I'm going to put it in, y'all. You, know, you try to, you know, say, well, you have a right to travel to travel to your anti-government. If you try to say, you know, uh, talk about your constitutional right, you're anti-government. Um, if you try to ask the court what jurisdiction they're operating under, you're anti-government. I mean, this is, this is incredible. 
Peace to the gods. Peace to the gods. You're listening to High Frequency Radio. I'm your host, Yusuf L. It is Friday, January 11, 2019, broadcasting live from Atlanta, Georgia. Open Forum Friday, y'all. Let's get it. Phone lines open. Call in numbers 424-222-5250. I'm going to start right in. Let me go over here to, uh, let's see where we're going to go first. Let's start over here in, what is this, Wisconsin? Wisconsin. The phone line is open. Hey, how's it going? Hey, how you good. doing? Good, good. Um, actually, I'd be better, but that's why I'm calling you. Uh, first of all, thank you for all the education you put out there for us. I've learned so much, and I, I love the fact that you have us go research it ourselves, but you give us a way, uh, documents to look and read and everything. So I want to thank you from the bottom of my heart for that. You're welcome. You're welcome. Uh, well, I'm I'm in a foreclosure right now. And um, next month, I'm going to be going for uh, to court for uh, the plaintiff's motion for judgment. Um, and I I don't have an attorney. I did for a little bit, and um, just because I didn't know how to answer the original, you know, foreclosure summons, so I got some help. But I immediately like he filed a motion to dismiss and. I realized I couldn't afford to pay him. Plus, he was pushing bankruptcy, and I wasn't sure I wanted to go that route. So, um, so my question for you: If I, I am working with a gentleman that has helped keep people in their homes for a few years, you know, through this process, he he kind of helps me with the court procedure and what to do next, and all this and that. Um, but I, I would, you know, I'm always looking for another all the information I can on this and he didn't he didn't know himself he's been doing this for 25 years a small portion of what he does but he didn't know of anyone that offset a mortgage by using a uh, I did I did very first time out the gate I did I that's what made me that's what made me popular but it is very very difficult to do it's okay. very difficult to do, it is. But, yeah, I did it the first time out the gate. Listen, okay. it's a mindset that goes with it. And you have to document everything very, very carefully. I'm going to explain what I did. What, what what I did was I took a, um an international bill of exchange. I had done my secure party process first, sent my bond everything to the Treasury Department. It was a foreclosure, and it was not my house. And uh, somebody, uh, they uh, quick claimed it over to me. They gave, essentially gave me the house. And uh, uh, it was in foreclosure. So I contacted the mortgage company and asked them for a payoff. Asked them for a 30-day payoff, which they refused to give me. um, So, because it was so close to the uh, foreclosure date. So then I went, a friend told me, he said, go down and get a a certified copy of the, of the, uh, of the deed of trust from the uh, real estate records. So I got that and I uh, did a banker's acceptance on that. I sent them the, uh, you know, cover letter uh, uh, processing instructions and the uh, bill of exchange. 
and uh, send it send it with a notary. I send everything notary presentment. Uh, you do not send any of this stuff yourself directly. The notary needs to have their own PO box. All correspondence has to come back to that notary. And then I went to court. And when I went to court, I took copies of everything that I'd mailed them and put it into evidence, filed it into evidence. And what I filed into evidence was a copy of my international bill of exchange, all the correspondence I sent, and a copy of um, of a of a of a, of a what is it, attorney uh, Walker Todd. I, okay. I put a copy of the Walker Todd case in there as well. All right, so I'm telling you exactly what happened. So. When it was my time, okay, when, I'm going to give you step-by-step step step, everything that happened in court, okay? So in court, he was calling Roe, and he called my name, and I said, yeah, I'm here. I moved to miss, dismiss this case. This obligation has already been satisfied. I was just bold as hell. He, mm-hmm. said, Mr. Jones, he, he said, Mr. Jones, what are you talking about? I've already been satisfied. I said, I already satisfied this, Your Honor. Uh, he said, well, what did you uh, pay? Uh, what you pay? Uh, what did you do? I, I said, I gave them a negotiable instrument. Uh, he said, um, he said, this ain't one of them um, uh, negotiable instruments. I got to jump through hoops and go down to Texas to get my money. That's exactly what he said. That let me know that they know how to process. They used to have a case on the Internet where a guy won and the judge told him, y'all are a bank and y'all should know how to process these. I, they took it off the Internet. I hate to death. Back in the day, I was it was a whole bunch of stuff on the internet back in the day. I wish I had kept. I didn't know that the internet was going to progress to the point that it has today. But mm-hmm. he said that he said he, he said I ain't got to jump through hoops and go down to Texas and get my money. And I said no, sir. I said I done this in strict uh, a, a, a strict uh, conformance with the uniform uh, uniform commercial. He said, well, okay, 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 okay. He said, look, we gonna we gonna talk about that. He said, uh, we'll get to that later. All right, so I go absolutely late. I'm, I got there eight o'clock in the morning. I didn't get go till two o'clock in the afternoon. All right, oh so at two o'clock when the courtroom is clear, I had witnesses there. There were people in the courtroom with me. I had friends with me who saw all of this. Um, uh, that uh, he uh, he said uh, he said okay, Mr. Jones, you're gonna use a uh, you're gonna use a uh, court reporter. And I said yeah. He said you know it costs. Forty-five dollars an hour. I, I I had a hundred. I had a hundred-dollar bill. I said no problem, Yana. I said I got it right here. He said okay. Well, I'm a, while the court reporter is setting up, I'm gonna take a recess and I'll be back. I said all right. So he takes a recess. I everything sets up. Then he come back and 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 by this time I'm out in the in the hallway talking to the attorney and I'm telling the attorney I said you know you need to go on and drop this case. Cause I'm gonna go in here and make you look like a fool. He said, "What?" <laughs> he said, "What?" He said, "Well, let me call my law firm. I can tell you what law firm it was in McCullough Raymer, here in Georgia, biggest foreclosure mill in the southeast. McCullough Raymer." He said, uh, "He said, let me go in. Uh, he said, let me go call my office and stuff." He 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 leave. He come back about ten minutes later. He said, "My office said move forward." I said, "All right, let's do it." So we go in there. Judge comes out. He said, uh, he said, uh, he said, you know, Mr. Jones, I had a chance to, uh, I had an affidavit in there too. I had an affidavit, uh, mm-hmm. uh, uh, a power of attorney. I had a power of attorney, a power of attorney in there. Cause uh, she did a power of attorney to me before she quit claimed it over to me. 
because we found a power attorney wasn't going to work in court. I needed a house. But I gave him everything I had that the original owner of the house had given me. I filed that in the case. So he said, you know, I looked at the guy, a chance to look at your paperwork. And he said, I see in here you got a power of attorney. He said, um, he said, but what is he? No, he said, no, he said, I see that you in here talking about a power of attorney, but I don't see a power of attorney. He said, what is your standing in this matter? And he was saying it like he didn't think I understood what standing was. And I said, I said, Jan, I got title and I got possession. Okay, so then he got a little frustrated. He said, uh, oh, he said, okay, okay. He pulled, up, he, had, he pulled up the copy of my international bill of exchange, held it up in the courtroom and said, I've seen a thousands of these. And I'm telling you right now, it's a worthless piece of paper. And I said, well, I beg your honor's pardon, but that's not for you to determine. That's for counsel to take that back to his client, and they can return it to me with evidence of a defect from a qualified third party and allow me an opportunity to cure. Absent that, sir, I consider this matter settled and closed. And he looked at me, he said, now, he said, Mr. Jones, he smiled. He said, you know, they ain't going to follow you down the rabbit hole. Now, I knew what that meant, because back then, all of us who were involved in this knew the comparisons between the court court and Alice in Wonderland, because they got a scene in there where they talk about the court system in Alice in Wonderland, if, if all y'all don't know about that. Yeah. All right. Yeah. I'm like, Let me take you to law and everything. That thing. So I said, so I started smiling. When he said that, I knew I won. Because he was kind of like tacitly admitting that you're correct, but you know how the game goes. He said, let me tell you something. You know how this thing goes. He said, uh, say, you're trying to get them to do what you want them to do, and they're trying to get you to do what they want to do. It's going back and forth. He's talking about how the administrative process goes, which more, most people don't realize that you got to answer every correspondence that they send within 72 hours and go back and forth like that. They're going to ignore it. If you tell them to send it back to the notary, they're not going to send it to the notary. They're going to send it back directly to you, okay, which is they're, they're, which is incorrect. And then you send it back. So you ignore their correspondence, and you go ahead and default them on out. So it's mm-hmm. a game that you're playing. They see what you want to play. And I understood the game. Mm-hmm. So I had my certificate. Of, I didn't even have a certificate of non-response at that point because uh, I, I did the uh, administrative process so close to going to court. Okay, so. The, the other attorney knows that I'm finna win, too, so he gets upset. He thought, he said he got, he get mad. So the judge goes off on him. He said, let me tell you something. He said, I'm tired of y'all attorneys coming in here thinking that y'all are supposed to win. He said, Jones got one up on you. He said, you got another case like this in Superior Court. You keep dropping the ball. He went off on the attorney. I got my mouth open, wide open. To make a long story short, I won that case, Okay. I won that case. Now, let me say this. Everything I'm saying, I never, they never gave me the title to the property, though. They completely left me alone. They completely left me alone after that right there. They ain't come back, try to get the house or nothing like that. They just completely left me alone. All right. So because of that fact, it was people in the, in the courtroom watching. This was about, this is in 2010, this happened. And because of that, because of that fact and everything, uh, I, that right there, the people who were in there, they were like a, a real estate investment group. They had um, heard about me, and they wanted to come to court and see all this shit. When they come to court and see it, that's what led to me becoming popular. Uh, you know, that's how I kind of blew up, and my name was from that case right there. Now, after that, I started having problems because um, the bank started sending uh 
because I had like 16, 17 properties at this time. They were like all giving me properties and wanted me to go into court. So I'm going into court. I'm I'm doing I'm discharging all this debt. I did a five hundred thousand dollar house. I to this day I think they may have made a mistake. I don't know. But they sent the title to it. So everybody was having a little faith in me. So the bank um called me one day on my phone. I I had uh, I had two condominiums in Fulton County down in Atlanta. I had two condominiums. I had actually had three side by side. It was a new development. I had these three condominiums. They were real nice too. I had let one of my homeboys stay in it and uh rented some other ones out. I had the titles to these properties. And I was fighting off the foreclosures on them in court. So um what happened was uh what happened was I got a phone call on on the uh, uh, one day from the bank. I didn't know it was the bank, but he called me on a private line, and I, he called me. He, he called me acting like he was cool with me. He said, "Jones, he said, hey, how you doing?" He said, "You know," and, and the line was blocked out. I answered it. I know it was, but you know he was acting like he just knew me and everything. And I was like, "Hey, what's going on?" He said, "Yeah, I see you about to take down another one of my houses." And I said, "Uh, I said, uh." I said, well, you know, what house is that? And then he told me the address. And he said, yeah. I said, I said yes, it's it's my house. He said, he said, well, let me tell you something. You go over there in them houses, I'm going to call police on you. I said, um, so I'm like, if I go in the house, I got title to it. I'm like, what are you talking about? These, all these properties in quick lane to me. I ain't doing nothing illegal. This is what I'm thinking in my mind. I said, how are you going to call the police on me? I said, I said, uh, I said, well, I said, well, you can go ahead and call the police. Cause I'm already here at the properties right now. He said, and then he told me, he said, let me, he, and then I said, well, I said, well, excuse me, sir. I said something like friend or something. And he said, look, I'm not your fucking friend. He said, look, let me tell you something. You fucking with the wrong bank. And that's when I realized it was the bank. He said, you fucking, mm-hmm. said, word for word is what he said. He said, you fucking with the wrong bank. I said, okay. So I, he wanted to get gangster with me. I got gangster back. I switched to my hood mode on him. You know, mm-hmm. and so we start going back and forth. Long story short, it wasn't 15 minutes later that two detectives rolled up. This is why I say they, the banks got the police officers right in the back of their hand. So, ain't no, it ain't no, these ain't no officers in uniform. These are detectives. They roll mm-hmm. up. They got their guns out on their side. My homeboy is with me. This is what saved me. Is my friend was with me. And he was a police officer, and he was, but he was off. He was off duty. He didn't have on his uniform or nothing like that. As I said, hey, man, they rolling up. He said, man, don't tell them I'm police. You know, let me just see what's going on. So they roll up on on us. He was the one I'm letting stay in the in the place. He a police officer. All right. So we had his place. So he rolled up on me. I said, uh, I said, um, I said, um, I said, what can I do for you? He said, we got a phone call that two people over here were issuing terroristic threats. So that threw me off. I'm like, terroristic threats? What are you talking about? I said, terroristic threats. So I said, oh so I told him, I said, I said, well, you know what? I said, I don't know if y'all think that I issued a terroristic threat because so, somebody called me and they called me on a blocked out number. So I'm not sure how I can do a terroristic threat against someone. I don't even know who I'm talking to. And I handed him my phone and showed it to him. So mm-hmm. that fucked him up. He, he didn't know what to say on that. So he knew he was busted on that, coming at me with that old bullshit excuse. He said, okay, well, let me just say this. Somebody over here in the house that they don't supposed to be in. So I said, oh, I said, really? 
I said, okay, here, let me, I had all my documentation with me on me, my quick claim deed, everything certified from the county, showed it to him. He go to the car. Now, it's two detectives. One of the detectives didn't know what was going on. The other one did. The other detective, he stayed over there with us while he went to the car to call it all in. The second detective said, he said, I don't even know why we're here. He said, the other owner of the house is supposed to be here. He said, I don't even know what we're doing here and everything. The other guy knew what was going on. So about five minutes later, ten minutes later, about five Fulton County police cars started rolling up. Because this is that time when they was getting everybody sovereign citizens for squatting in the house. Squatting mm-hmm. in the house. About five Fulton County police officers roll up. They come out. Big old dudes look like red dogs. You know, these ain't no regular police <laughs> officers. These guys that, like, they come to kick ass and shit. You know, anybody out there know what I'm talking about. So I'm looking, I'm like, oh, shit. You know, they rolling up. They all getting out the car, rolling up to the house at the same time, about eight of them. So they get all the way up on me. And when they get all the way up on me, I say, this is my homeboy right here. He's a police officer. <laughs> so, and then he said, yeah, he said, I'm a police officer with Clayton County. And when he said that, they all froze, looked at each other, went back to their car. Didn't do nothing to me, didn't say nothing. He said, I'm a, I'm a Clayton County police officer. I'm a witness to everything right now. So they went back to the car. They didn't do nothing. All right? So yeah. the other detective come over. He didn't, you know, I'm screaming at him. I said, say, man, why you got all this show of force out of here at my house, man? That's my title. You know, my, he said, shut up. You know, he screamed. We kind of going back and forth. I'm like, you know, I'm mm-hmm. talking crazy to him. He said, you know, so he come back. Everything check out. He gave me my paperwork back, have a nice day, and he leaves. All right, so I, re- I went round one. Very next day, very next day, I'm at another house of mine. I have another house. I'm taking a shower. I look out the window. There's a, a white van coming. Now, I own the house across the street, and I own the house I'm in. All right, so the house. So they come in the white van. They go to the house across the street first looking for me. But I didn't know that's what they were doing because it was an unmarked van. But I knew it was something funny about it because it got the little radar thing on the top of it. All right, mm-hmm. But they didn't have no channel news or nothing. So I'm looking at it. I'm on my way to court that day. I'm on my way. I'm getting taking a shower, getting dressed because I got to go to foreclosure court to a dispossessory on one of my properties. So I'm on my way. So I, come out, I go to the car. Um... They jump, they run across the street at me, have television cameras and everything. So I think I'm going to go to jail because that's what they was doing all them sovereign sitting squatters. They come up with the TV mm-hmm. camera, interview them, and then they get through interviewing them, come and arrest them. All right, so they rolled up on me like that, and I it's Jody Fleischer. Okay, that's who it was who interviewed me. She had a black television crewman, and I, mm-hmm. she said, uh, she said, uh, she said, you know, we mind we interview you and everything. I said, well, you know, I said, where the police at? Because I said, every time you interview somebody, they get arrested. She said, nah, nah, that ain't going to happen. That ain't going to happen. I said, okay. Because at first I didn't want to do the interview because I know how they fucking change shit on the interview and make you look crazy and everything. But mm-hmm. I said, okay, I'll do the interview. But in my mind, I thought, okay, this is what I'm going to do. I'm going to be very careful in what I say because I know they're going to edit this shit. So... Mm-hmm. She said, you know, she said, well, you know, why are these people giving these houses to you? I was like, you know, because I know how to, you know, take care of the debt. And then she said, well, why do you feel like you can issue your own negotiable instrument? I said, I said, well, why do y'all think y'all can issue 
uh, negotiable instrument. I said, what give you the power to do it? I said, what are your negotiable instruments backed by? She couldn't answer the question. I said, what are they backed by? Uh, you asking me? I said, I'm not doing anything illegal. I said, we have the right to create negotiable instruments. All right? You say, you, I did nothing illegal or anything like that. I said, but, but I asked her what. She said, well, why do y'all think a person is a corporation? I had my Black's Law Dictionary in the car with me. I pulled it out and read the different definition to her and put it up to the camera so the cameraman could see it. The brother started laughing. Brother laughing at her at this point. He laughing like, hey, I'm on point with everything. And, and every time she asked me a question, I said, well, I, you know, it didn't matter what she said, because I knew they were going to edit it. I would say, well, you know, since the banks are stealing people's houses, we have to, since the banks are stealing people, I said that shit about a hundred times. I said, edit that shit out. You know what I'm saying? And I said, right. I was going to say, you ain't going to be able to edit this shit out. I'm, every time you ask me a question, I'm going to tell what the bank, the fraud the banks are doing. So make a long story short, interview lasts about 30 minutes. When she went to her truck, I went over to her truck to talk to her. I said, look, Jody, I said, is there anything in my paperwork that looks like something from a sovereign citizen? She looked down for a second. She looked at me and she said, no. I said, when you do your broadcast tonight, you better not make me no damn sovereign citizen. So when she did the broadcast, it was on Channel 2 website for a long time, for a couple of years. They finally took it down. But uh, I was, uh, uh, she said, well, Jones claims not to be a sovereign citizen. Of course, they kind of showed some clips of some other sovereign citizens getting arrested. And then they showed my interview, and they only showed 10 seconds of the interview. And all they showed was me saying, if I'm doing anything illegal, then y'all come arrest me right now. That's all they show me saying. Okay. And, and a couple of, I, I think when I said I have the right to do it and the brought, you know, the bank, I became an instant hero in Atlanta. Everywhere I go, everybody was looking at me and everything uh, because of what I did on that, on that, uh, on that broadcast of what I said. Cause they call, also caught me saying the banks are stealing. I said, he's stealing everybody's stuff. And so they showed all the promissory notes. I had written they had copies of them, everything. Okay. Now, while I was there with her, I said, I tell you what, I told her this. I said, oh, you don't believe, you believe what I'm doing is illegal? I said, I'm on my way to the courthouse right now. You bring your television crew down to the courthouse right now. She said, okay, bet. I get down to Fulton County. Uh, okay, I go through roll call and all that. I go out in the hall to sit because it's like in Fulton County, I like 100, 200 people being there at a time. So mm-hmm. I'm sitting outside waiting. Two big-ass Fulton County police officers come out in the hallway and call my name. And I thought I, I thought they were going to arrest me or something. I know they said, I said, yeah, I'm right here. They said, uh, you up first. They put me up first. Because they think oh. they finna embarrass me on television. I already know the move. They think I'm a pro-state litigant. I don't know how to handle myself in court or anything like that. So I go into the courtroom, I, and the television camera's in there. Channel 2 is in there. They didn't set up the television cameras and everything. I'm like, oh, shit, Jody really sent the television crew. So she got, so everybody's in the, in the courtroom like, okay, damn, who is this right here? All right, so, and I had friends that was there, and about 10 of my friends was there. Every, all, everybody I know was there in the courtroom. I got a whole bunch of witnesses to what I'm saying. Notwithstanding the fact you still find vestiges of it on the internet and everything like that. But they took down a whole bunch of stuff. So I'm, I'm, I'm in there. And so prior to that, I had to go into arbitration with this attorney. His name was Igor. I could not believe this nigga's name was Igor. His name was Igor. <laughs> His name was Igor. 
I'm tripping on his name. Now he looked at me. You know, I don't never negotiate with him. I went out there. I don't even know why we going through all this. I'm not giving you the house, man. We might well go on back in here. Y'all either go discharge his debt. We ain't got nothing to talk about. So he gave me this sideways look. The bank I was going up against was Citibank, which Citibank is a beast. They were some most. They one of the most lethal banks. That's that's straight from the Illuminati. You talking about yeah. Citibank, Rothschild, Rockefeller, J.P. Morgan, all these guys right there. That's straight out of that. So it's Citibank I'm going against. So when I uh, go back into the courtroom, the attorney that I'm in arbitration with ain't in the courtroom. They got another attorney. He's a brother. They didn't put a brother in there with me. I'm like, well, fuck, where's the attorney? I just get oh, how's this attorney right here? He ain't got no firsthand knowledge of even the discussion we just got through having. How the hell are he going to come in here and, you know, sit in the case? So when they started the case, uh, they started everything up. Judges, uh, judges warning me and every uh, he talking about you know you pro saying all this. I say I take it under advisement. I right, so they start the case. He tries to take up the foreclosure documents to the judge. All right, television cameras rolling on all of this. Before he could hand the judge the judge the paperwork, I said objection, Honor. That's hearsay evidence. We need somebody here who can testify to the veracity and validity of the contents of those documents he's attempting to proffer in the evidence. Dang froze in the courtroom. He was like, uh, 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 well, I think I'm going to allow this evidence to be submitted because it comes down from the county. I said, I said, I take exception to the honorable judge refusing to rule on my objection. Would you please enter sustained or overruled into the record so I can preserve the error? And he said, he said, you're an attorney, Mr. Jones. I just got quiet. I didn't answer the question. I just got quiet. He said, then he said, you appear like you not, you don't even appear like you afraid. You'll have no fear. I said, yeah, I'm a little nervous. He said, no, 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 no. You ain't afraid at all. He said, but let me tell you one thing. This ain't my first rodeo. So I said, okay. So, you know, so I, I ain't say nothing to that. Cause you know, he's trying to like, you know, cause it's people watching. We got a whole mm-hmm. bunch of people in there. I mean, when I say it's people watching, it's like 200 people in the courtroom. It's packed. It's jam packed, and it's television cameras in there. All right. So he said. Uh, he said. He said. Uh, so the next thing that happened was, I started objecting again. Every time old boy spoke, I objected. All right. So at the end of it, he said, "Mr. Jones, can you tell me why I should rule in your favor?" I told him. I said, "Yana." I said, this got to end. I said, y'all are allowing all of these banks to come in and put evidence in the court that is hearsay without them having to verify that they are the owners of the mortgage, that they are real party in interest, that they have standing in these proceedings or anything. That has to stop. I said something like that. Mm-hmm. Now, where, where did I mess up at? Where I messed up is I didn't I didn't understand that you had to be sworn in at first. Okay. I, it was a trick that they play. Because I, I read a document called Tricks and Traps, and I messed up on that. Whenever you come in and start talking, you got to be sworn in. Because if you're not, everything you say is your say testimony, and the judge can roll against you. I did have a court reporter in there. I had a copy of the uh, transcript, and I took it to the appellate level. And ended up losing. I ended up losing that case. It was on the internet that I lost, and I ended up losing. I kept the house for a long time, but eventually lost it over about a couple of years. I kept it about two, three years, though. I kept it for a long time. Kept the house for a long time. 
where they were able to get it from. All right, so what am I telling you all of this? I'm telling you all this to say, people be out there, you see like Gordon Hall on the internet getting arrested for a negotiable instrument. I know why he did, because first he put rowdy numbers on it, okay? All right, and they got him. He routed it through their system. Okay, you can't put no routing numbers on it. This is why I keep trying to teach secure party process. You're going to use a bill of exchange. That's a three-party instrument. You have to have some sort of, that has to be collateralized in some kind of way. There has to be a bond or something backing it. All right, all the money in the country is backed by the people's labor. Labor has value. Don't let nobody fool you and say you don't. You can watch, I was watching magicians the other day where a dude wanted to get paid in gold. You know, gold, he said, oh, you want to pay me in labor. He said, you want to pay me in labor. I'm like, yeah, get a, that's what they did. Okay, you can't pay me in gold, you pay me in labor. Same thing happening today. You can't pay me in gold, you pay me in labor. And that's what all the American people are doing. So, I, slavery under the 13th Amendment involuntary servitude is not permissible. So you can't force me to, be, to pay for this debt that you are the one that, uh, and your stupid ass don't know how to do business and everything. You brought that up on the United States, not up on the republic, but on the, Democrat, but on the democracy. That debt is in the in the democracy. It's not in the republic. All right? So you didn't trick everybody to come over here to be 14th Amendment citizens and making us sureties for this national debt and making us work our ass off, okay, for this, all right, using my labor. And then you're going to try to pretend like you can collateralize my labor, but I can't. See, this is the basis of the secure party process. The basis of it is, do I have a right to collateralize my labor? Hell yeah, I do. Because anything else is slavery, because that's what they're doing. So you trying to tell me you can do it, but I can't? That's what you're saying? You can use my labor as collateral, but I can't use it for myself. That's straight up slavery. I don't give a fuck what person is listening to this show. Attorney, judge, president of the United States. I don't give a fuck. You know I'm telling the truth. Yep. And it should piss us all off. It does, you know. You know, I'm telling the truth. Okay, so that's what the whole game is. What is backing Federal Reserve notes? And tell you, and for, if anybody would come in and try to say gold and silver, shut the fuck up. Read Modern Money Mechanics. They tell you straight up. It, ain't, it don't have no intrinsic value whatsoever. I put that in the, in the evidence, too. As a matter of fact, I forgot. They tried, he called up the clerks. From downtown, they wanted to take uh, the affidavit of Walker Todd and Modern Money Mechanics out of evidence. And I told him, I said, look, I said, this right here is a citation of authority. Can I put this, can I amend this to my complaint and use it as a citation of authority? He said, yes, you can. And let it stay. And all the clerks told him they can't take it out anyway. Once it's been stamped, they can't remove it from the record. But he wanted that affidavit of Walker Todd out of the record. He said, take this out. They said, we can't. He brought up three clerks. He said, we cannot take this out. They were, just, they were all standing in courtrooms side by side, shaking their head, no, we can't take it out. Because mm-hmm. that case tells you straight up what it is. He was an attorney for the Federal Reserve Bank, and somebody paid him to come in and be an expert witness, which is what you got to do if you're going to be on a mortgage case. But you got to also have a CPA audit's bank. That's what Tom Sharp was talking about. And most people don't have the money or the resources to do all of that because you got to be able to audit their books to find the fraud. 
You got to be able to audit their books. And every CPA can't do that. It's only certain groups of CPAs that are allowed to audit banks. Mm-hmm. And after that clear, clear field decision and that affidavit of Walker Todd stuff, them all of my CPAs too scared to do it because one of them ended up dead. So when you see all of this, I got guns pulled on me and everything and doing all of this. I right, so and going through all of this, I ain't trying to, you know, do I already know that the mortgage is corrupt. You ain't dealing let me tell you something. When you're dealing in criminal matters and real estate, those are the two corrupt most corrupt areas of law. That's the most corrupt areas of law that you're going to run into, all right? They ain't doing nothing according to the rules and nothing. They straight up stealing. They're kidnapping people, forcing them into labor, and stealing people's property. Two of the most major things that can occur in this country if you want to institute a new world order and institute slavery, do population reduction, all this shit. Make people commit, capitulate to your demands because they ain't got nowhere to stay. Got to make them go to work every day to pay a mortgage and all of this. Everybody listening know when we had the uh, auto, the robo signer debacle back then and everything, everybody should have got their house free and clear. You should have got your house free and clear when they did the bailout. Okay, so why y'all ain't bringing this up at the presidential election? Why y'all calling in on my show trying to find out? Do y'all want to do presidential election? You want to talk about Obamacare and all this bullshit? Why don't you talk about some real issues? You want you want some welfare. You arguing about a motherfucking handout. Right. Come on, man. I'm tired. I've been yeah. doing this fifteen years. I've seen everything. I know y'all yeah. may some of y'all may not believe me. But you know what? Why I get on this microphone and tell y'all all of this? Because one day, you the same thing going to happen to you, and you're going to remember what I said. Only way it's not going to happen to you is you a goddamn agent. <laughs> That's it. It ain't going to happen to them. Because they out there, they out there on the internet right now. About three years ago, they didn't start this big push, putting all these sovereign citizen videos on the internet, showing people get pulled over. And, and videotaping them and everything And inundating the internet with that shit You already know what it is Got all these fake accounts Where people commenting It be the same damn people commenting On every video and everything yep. Same people You can all, you can see It don't take a genius To see what's going on This is not no damn rocket science This ain't no damn out algebraic equation or anything. This is one plus one equals two. Right. Yeah. And try to make it seem like, oh, you in some type of conspiracy theory. I'm sitting there showing y'all case after case. I'm showing you judges saying stuff just as Harlan talking about his two national governments. What you think he was talking about? Yeah. Talking about you know it ain't no two United States. Well what is this judge talking about when he said we have two national governments? One operating outside of the Constitution without limitations and one operating within the Constitution with all its limitations. That's what y'all don't understand. That's okay. That's a shame. The American people, when I was growing up, we was taught the Constitution. Hell, they had it on video, Schoolhouse Rock. 
Y'all ain't even read that motherfucker. And they won't call in and ask me questions about if this shit is true or not. And you ain't even read the goddamn Constitution for the United States of America. The fuck yeah. out of here. Yeah. Yeah. Anyway, fighting the mortgage, all right, you got to say, you, you, it's only two things. You got to take, you got to address the debt. I don't care if you what you do with a promissory note, bill of exchange. I don't give a damn. You got to you got to do everything in a timely fashion, right? Because there's a thing called staying in honor. Staying in honor also means that you stay within the bounds of the time restraints that are available for you when you're doing an administrative process. You can't sit on some shit two months and then three months and do do some shit. A contract is formed after 72 hours. Yep. Well, what they're trying to do on this one is, you know, get a motion for judgment of foreclosure, and they're uh, elected for a six-month period of redemption. It's a non-judicial so, state. No, it's a judicial judicial state. Okay, so yeah, I mean judicial state. That's why they have to yeah. go in there for a motion for judgment. All right, well, you know, the thing you attack is there ain't no real party in interest. Okay, you can't yeah. give no judgment for somebody who's not a real party in interest or standing to come in. Yeah. Well, and this this is kind of a tricky case because I'm in my parents' home. I've been living, I'm 47, I've been living here most of my life. I stayed and took care of my mom and dad. In 2000, they put the house in a life estate. My dad passed away, and now my mom passed away a couple years ago, and the life estate went to me. And there's a quick, quick claim deed to me. But in 2007, December 2007, my mother took out a uh, mortgage um, to pay some bills. Now there's 50% equity in the house yet, so um, the place is worth about 100000 and uh, this is the fourth servicer or whatever that's got it, and now they're coming. We've got, I got behind on, my pay- on the payments because I took over the payments after Mom died, to stay here, and uh, now they're coming after me, the fourth one. And um, okay, well, my this mother is somebody signed, else. My mother, so they, my mother's. Wait a minute. Well, I'm, wait, they didn't assign the mortgage to somebody else, and somebody else is trying to foreclose on you. The la- the same ones that are trying that I had been making payments to the la- the fourth servicer that went through, and the two the second Taylor Bean and Whitaker was the first. There's a lender, quote unquote, and then they sold it to another company, and they sold it to another company, and now this next one here, um, Nation Star, they are the ones that are foreclosing. Okay, um, the real party of interest in that matter, I'm not talking about the real party in interest, I'm talking about the real party of interest, would be the trust, would be the trust, and that's why you need to do securitization audit on it and find out what trust is allocated because all them trusts are insured. That mortgage is already goddamn paid. I, I didn't, right. I didn't did securitization audits. Uh, you know, had Bloomberg screens and all of that stuff. Okay, I see yeah. what's going on. What it is, this is what you got to understand in court. It's not about. It's like I had an attorney friend sit me down in a bar and explain this to me. He was a brother, and he explained it to me. And Noah, we were talking about writs of mandamus. 
He was explaining to me, Rich, that's what, what was the topic of the conversation. And then we started talking about these mortgages. And he said, let me tell you something, man. He said, it ain't about what you can prove, uh, who's right or wrong. It's about what you can prove. Yep. He said, court ain't about right and wrong. Court is about what you can prove. He said, look, yep. he said, um, he said, when we come in, he said, when I go out into the country to have, to do a case, he said, I go out there and butt fuck Georgia, okay, where the ju- the sheriff, the judge, and the prosecutors all cousins. He said, I'm not expecting to go out there and win. He said, I'm not going out there. This was the best lesson I ever got. He said, I don't go out there to win. I go out there to make a record. He said, I'm going to beat them on appeal. Mm-hmm. I already know I'm not going to win out there. Not on their turf. Right. Okay. Well, that's you kind of what take- my yeah, you got to take it. Me too. Yeah. But see, the key, what he said was make a record. You have to make mm-hmm. a proper record. And you have to go in there and understand what you're doing. You're not there to argue with the judge or right. to argue with the prosecutor. You're there to make a record. Yep. Okay, that's what you're talking into the for the record. Mm-hmm. That's what you're in there doing, and then you got to be able to understand what a fact is, what hearsay evidence is, how to form of a, an objection, how to form an exception, how to do an offer of proof. Okay, in case they don't allow your evidence into the record. Okay, these are things that you got to learn if you're going to go inside that courtroom and do battle with these people, okay? Mm-hmm. Because even though they say they got to extend pro se litigants, all this leniency and everything, they don't do that shit. They put right. the same standards on you that they put on any attorney. Yep. At least that's my experience. I ain't never got no leeway on nothing. Yep. Yeah, I see so that too. So I'm saying this to say... Your mindset has to be when you deal with these people, documentation, documentation. Okay, right. court is not the courthouse. That's called a courthouse. Court is on the paperwork. All right. right. The paperwork that you have. What paperwork do you have that you are proffering in the evidence that can substantiate your claim? And in the substantiation of that claim, do you have stipulations as to the material facts that are being offered in the evidence? Or is there an issue of fact? which is going to lead to a jury trial or a bench trial. In the case of a dispossessory, it's a bench trial. The only thing you can do in a dispossessory, because they're not there to, uh, to uh, litigate title to the property, they're only there to litigate possession of the property. It's, uh, the, it's already been determined who title belongs to because they've conducted an administrative process against you and defaulted you out. So they're bringing that default into court. And say, so now... You are an unlawful, you're in unlawful possession of the property, and we need to kick you out. So the only thing that you can say is there is no landlord-tenant relationship that exists. That got to be the main thing that you put in your pleading. Okay. You have to deny that a landlord-tenant relationship exists. And then try to move it, have it moved over to superior court if you want to get into the issue of title. Yeah. And then you got to put in an affidavit of forgery to 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 uh to address all the documents that they put in into evidence because all they doing is bringing in copies of documents down by the county recorder. I when I showed people on a webinar I did, I could go get Adobe Photoshop and change all that shit they got down from the county recorder and make it look like any way I want. So you need to have the original. 
So when they ask you, well, isn't this your signature on this document? I'm sorry, Yana, but that looks like you demure. I'm sorry, Yana, but that looks like a very good forgery. Do you have the original wet ink with blue signature for my personal inspection? Because at any time, if you admit that that's your signature or you made payments and all that kind of stuff, hey, you are, you are, you know, it's like if you go, you don't have to admit you made payments. That little payment thing they send you, okay, yeah. show me an accounting. Show me some true bills. Show me an accounting. Show me something that's been conducted by a CPA and bring it in. Right. It's hearsay. Yep. It's all hearsay evidence. Well, and, and here's another tricky part of my case. My my mother's gone, and she she signed the promissory note, but signatures allegedly <laughs> are on the mortgage. And so there's a you know the mortgage and the note are supposed to stay together, right? And that's something too, right? I mean, listen, it don't even matter because who was there who witnessed it? Who has firsthand knowledge of the facts? That's what we need to discuss. It don't right. matter what's on that paper. What matters is can they can they prove on that paper? Is there anybody who can swear on the penalty of perjury that what's on that paper is accurate? Who are the parties that were there to witness the actual signing? Now, they can allow that evidence in. Like here in Georgia, I'll show you the codes here in Georgia. And you got something like this in your state, too, because they all follow the same general principles. And you got, like, let me show you this real quick. See if I can pull up some of my old paperwork. Show you what I'm talking about, because they got the codes for it. Um Hold on, let me see. See if I can find it real quick. Because what it is is they got codes for attorney. Uh, I mean, let me see if I can find on Georgia evidence. OCGA. Okay, let me see if I got under evidence. Let me see if I can find it real quick under Title Twenty Four in Georgia. Uh, hearsay. General provisions. I'm gonna have to find it. I gotta find that document. But I'm gonna, I'm gonna tell you this: they got in your code section where a an attorney's statement is not, you know, is not, you know, when attorney is making a statement. Okay. Yeah, they got authentication of documents, best evidence rule, establishment of laws, records public records, private papers. They got all this stuff in there. You need to really look through your codes of Wisconsin and see what y'all, and look under the evidence codes and see uh, about hearsay um, and uh, study about attorneys, admissions, confessions, all that stuff. And you're going to find in there, it's going to be somewhere in there talking about attorney statements, you know, how it's not, you know, that's not any evidence. You know, what you'll see what the attorneys will do, they'll, they'll sign an affidavit swearing to their administrative process. That they conducted in the administrative process. Yep, I got uh-huh. one right here. I got one right here. Go ahead. It's uh, she uh, her name, and then being first duly sworn upon oath, deposes and says that, and it goes through a list. The affiant is one of the attorneys representing the plaintiff. Blah blah blah. The summons was served on the dependent, blah, 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 I'm on and on. And then she's got it notarized. And these statements herein 
are true and correct to the best of the affiant's knowledge. And as I was wondering about that, she's she's the attorney for the plaintiff. Is that? Yeah, but what, are, read it. Not, Go ahead, read it. What what is she what what is she swearing to? Okay, she's she um. The summons was served on a dependent as shown in the right. proof of service filed. Right. No issue of law or fact has been joined. The time for joining issue has expired, and the mortgager defendant is in default. Okay, stop for a second. No issue of fact has been joined. What is that? Okay, that's that's a default. Okay, that's the same thing we do. Okay, your silence is acquiescing. She's only swearing to her administrative process. That's all she can okay. swear to. She can't swear to no documents. All she can say is, I conducted, I contacted them with letter according to state law. I gave them 30 days to respond. They didn't deny anything or anything there in a proper way. So there's no what? Issue of fact. So what are we going to move to? Summary judgment. Let's go to the law. All right, go ahead and keep reading it. Okay. And then number four, as of the date of this hearing, there's now due to the plaintiff from the mortgager, mortgager defendant the following. And she's got like a little spreadsheet of, Unpaid principal, accrued interest, escrow taxes, attorney's fees, filing fees, all that stuff for a grand total there. I so that don't address nothing about the issue of the fraud that's going on with the mortgage. All she can attest to is, hey, I sent them a letter. This is what the bank gave me. She didn't send nothing back. They defaulted. I'm within the procedural rules. I'm in harmony with the procedural rules to come in here and request from the court an order to, for her to be uh, 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 kicked out of the house. Okay. And then number five, in accordance with the terms of the mortgage, plaintiff is entitled to reasonable attorney's fees, which affiant believes to be in the sum of 1935. Yeah, try to get $1,900 out of it. I don't even know if they ever yeah. get that. I ain't never, they ain't never got no lot of dime out of me, so I don't even know how they. I, I think they do get paid some kind of way, but I don't know. They, I don't know how they getting it. How you gonna get nineteen hundred thirty five dollars out of uh, somebody getting kicked out of a house? Right. That's gonna be right. a real good trick, you know. I'm, you know, I, but you know, I don't know, you know. But you yeah. can see that they that letter is the same letter they've been sending out ever since I've been involved in foreclosures. That's how I know what it says because it's the same mm-hmm. thing everywhere I go. Ain't nothing changed. It's yeah. an administrative process. All right? And then they try to act like their administrative process is good, but ours isn't. But the thing is, right. is that you got to do yours correctly. You got to do- come into court with authenticated records. All right? The notary certificate needs to be authenticated. All right? You need yeah. to bring that. It needs to- you need to understand what your terms of court are. All right? Because you need to file it within that term of court that notary signs it. And put that into evidence. And then you might want to remove the case. See if you have the case removed. As soon as they do all of that. Cause, but you got to remove a case within the first 30 days. And you might not necessarily need to remove it to federal court. You might want to remove it to superior court. Or request it. I've had requests granted to have it removed from state court to superior court. So we can address the issue of title. Right. Because you're in the wrong form to go in on title and a dispossessory hearing. Now you said get it reserved. Re, uh, sorry, re, removed after the first thirty days. This has been started since June, actually. Yeah, you you, you probably too late. You probably too late for that. But you can always challenge jurisdiction based off of uh, 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 if they're a real party in interest or not, subject matter jurisdiction. Because if they don't. 
if they're not a real party interest, if the evidence that they are presenting is tenuous as best, and you can somehow get that before the court, get the court to take judicial notice of that, then they don't have subject matter jurisdiction. And if they don't have subject matter jurisdiction, any orders that are issued from that court are void. Yeah. Not void of bold, they're void. <laughs> they're void on their face. So, and you know, that's by showing the original blue ink signature, right? The wedding signature. It's supposed that's they, they don't ever do that. They don't ever do that, but they're supposed to. You know, that's why, why do you think you have the, the Fair Debt Collection Practices Act? In there, right. it tells you, you know, verification of debt. They get, y'all need to understand what the definition of verification is. Verification is sworn to under penalty of perjury. They put verification sometimes at the end of documents in court proceedings. It's called a verification. And it's something sworn to under penalty of perjury. Mm-hmm. Well, she can't even, the lawyers can't even show up in court. They're appearing by phone. <laughs> you know? Oh uh, well, no, no, no! Nah, nah, you gotta have. Nah, well, you can object. You need to object to that. You don't have to. I you don't did. Have to I, yeah, I did. I did, and and the judge overruled it right away and said I gave her permission. The law gives her permission to appear by phone. Well, you know, well, how are we gonna uh, get uh, proper evidence into the evidence file? I mean, I guess you could do. I could see they can do that if you if you got all your evidence in on in there and everything. Because I look mm-hmm. I think that's where the uh, court system is headed to anyway. Everything's gonna be they're already doing a lot of court procedures, especially on the criminal side, uh through uh video conferencing. They doing it on video. You know, mm-hmm. in the future you're gonna be before a video screen or maybe at home on a video screen or something like that. I do see that's where everything is going to. All right. Sure. But still, how is a record being made? That would be my question. Okay, are we on a court of record? Okay, well, I'm objecting if I need a record. And you got to do all this beforehand, though. You got to go up when your case is before. You got to understand, you can't do stuff after the fact. You got to, mm. time is of the essence. He, he who sleeps on his rights loses them. So you got to, okay. everything is of the time of the essence. You got to do things before. As soon as you get that letter, you need to be moving and doing all, getting you a court reporter, uh, going up there and seeing if you have it removed to another uh, locale and so forth. All that. And then even before that, when you first get your first letter of foreclosure, you need to start because the sooner you start fighting it, the better. The later it gets and everything. Now, these attorneys, a lot of them are used to a lot of defenses everybody's getting. They just move past it because they know the court going to roll with them. But start addressing them issues of taxes. Start sticking the IRS on the ass and doing things like that. Okay? Mm-hmm. Because they are responding. What's, what's happening is they stealing. Okay? And that, they, and that accounting they're going to issue what's called a uh, uh, 1099A. You're going to find after the foreclosure, they're going to issue a 1099A, which is an abandonment. It's, a, it's an acquisition or abandonment. And then, Okay, so what are you abandoning? What are you abandoning? Why are you give, issuing a 1099A? Okay, on that ledger, okay, where you got an account receivable and accounts payable, and they do what's called off-balance sheet accounting, where they move right. that account payable off that balance sheet onto another set of books, okay, that is what you need to be claiming. That's what's called claiming recoupment because that particular promissory note is your instrument and it's supposed to come back to you. However, under the rules of negotiable instrument, you got to prove that you are a holder in due course. And the only way you can do that is by giving proper notice. That's UCC 3-302. Okay, and then claims to an instrument is UCC 3-306. So, and then the, uh, the, the, uh, the recoupment is UCC 3-305. So another thing, I don't know how they do it in your state, 
But when you do that, when they do a uh, dispossessory, you got to file a counterclaim. Always, you got to do a counterclaim. Okay. And your counterclaim has to be addressed first. And that's what's going to be in your counterclaim is that you are asking for that negotiable instrument back and the proceeds to it. And you tell them that's all the possessory, or do they, or they call it something else, and it's they call unlawful detainer here in Georgia. They call okay. dispossessory. A lot of okay. other states, most of the states that y'all hear the word unlawful detainer. Okay. Y'all use the word unlawful detainer in y'all state. So I know what I'm looking for, you know, when I see it. Yeah, it's called unlawful detainer in, in y'all state. Here we say they call it dispossessory. Okay. Yeah, I was wondering about that recruitment stuff because I read that. Gene Keating's transcript, that securitization thing, you know. It's um, simple. Listen, when you understand, they used to give you your checks back. Right? Remember? Yeah. Okay. Why? Why? Because they're negotiable instruments and they supposed to promissory notes supposed to go back to you. All right. However, they done got to the point where they monitor, I don't know what they're doing behind the scenes, but they enforcing these provisions of the UCC and UCC 3 302. 3-305 and 3-306 where who is the holder in due course and the provisions under there state that you have to have that's why UCC3 has to be attached to any negotiable instruments you issue somebody's always asking me do we have to be a secured party to discharge that I tell them no but how are you going to form claims at the commercial chambers where you give your notices on every instrument that you issue. And see, these people don't understand. The care party is about private banking. Yeah, yeah. You don't have. You don't need a damn bank account to pay a bill. No, you don't. Okay, but where's your statement of account? You're right. Where's your record? This is what people ain't understanding about it. They think, well, you have to do no secure. You know, you don't have to do a secure party process. But if you don't know what you're doing, how to put a, a notice of claim on that, and everything I'm telling you is right. I'm giving you the codes right there. These people act like they can't read or nothing. It's just like what Gene King said. He said, I ain't met nobody who read the UCC. They don't read it. They don't read it. They don't read nothing. The average person out there don't read nothing. Don't read, don't read a damn novel. Don't read a fucking comic book. Don't read the newspaper. Don't read a goddamn uh, 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 magazine article, and barely read some shit on the damn internet. Yep, you're right. You're right. You, when you start off not reading anything, you're not going to read the things that are important. <laughs> you know. But hopefully, I gave you enough information. You, as far you did. As you and 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 uh, just one really really quick question. Um, in order to take your um, Secured party creditor course, you have to be at least a silver member. A gold member. A gold, gold member. Oh, okay. Okay. Good deal. I, uh, but, I but, want to take on, that. but on the silver level, I do give y'all all my old videos where I do teach to secure party. You can watch those. You know what I'm saying? Okay. Just all my new stuff I reserve for the gold and platinum levels. But I didn't leave the silver members without anything. All, you know, all the stuff I used to sell and everything, I still made available to them. They can sit right. down and, and watch it. It still has great information in it and shows you how to do everything. Yeah, because from what I can tell, your secured, secured party creditor course and your trust course and stuff are, you know, obviously I haven't taken them yet, so I don't have them in front of me, but they seem like they'd be the most 
accurate out there. I did kind of followed a person on the internet, and I was learning as she was learning, and I did do a UCC one back in April, but I didn't know she didn't know at the time either, and I didn't know uh, to do the um, security agreement and a bond, and. Truthfully, I, I, I'd rather follow you on this because <laughs> you're more accurate in your your information. You know? I understand. I understand, General. I'm not saying I'm the smartest guy out there with this. But the thing is, after you've been looking at it for so long, I, it all you begin to make sense of it, of what it yeah. is that you're doing. Okay, and what you're doing is, I, the reason that you are doing a UCC, you do a UCC 11 first. Right, which yep. is a title search, which is, is just a title search. Right, they do a I title think, search to make, yep. make sure there are any other claims against you. Then you file a UCC-1, right, which is a notice. All right, You have to have a security agreement. All the UCC-1 is a notice. Right, and then you give a notice of the collateral that's been encumbered. All right, Then you're doing a process of package to the Treasury Department. All right, the yep. process to the Treasury Department is that you're letting them know in advance. You're not sending them a bond first. You're sending them a, 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 a notice of your status first, letting yeah. them know what your status is and giving them an opportunity to rebut. You can word it any kind of way you want to. You can word, you can do a declaration of, of, of status. You can do a Moorish nationality thing. You can do whatever you want to do. You know what I'm saying? You can do an affidavit of tax exam status. You can, do a, you can do a declaration of private status. You can do an affidavit of sovereignty and put a letter with it. All right, then you can send a package to the uh, the, uh, the commissioner of the IRS. You can send a package to the Social Security Administration. You can send a package to Vital Statistics. You know, you can notice all of it. You can send a package to the governor and notice yeah. all parties that you think you need. Like somebody told me at first get into this. When I first got into this guy, he said, he said, look, there are a whole, a whole neighborhoods, societies, communities of people who know this information. He said, and when their children are born. They have somebody already in Washington, D.C., all right? So as soon as the child is born, they may, and they sign that, that, uh, that birth certificate, they start t- taking a, making a claim on that birth certificate right then and there with, uh, the, uh, uh, with the uh, Department of Commerce, all right? The Treasury Department, yeah, they have somebody walk in all the documents, you know, there in D.C., to let them know what's going on. Nice. But see, this is the level people are at because people been doing this. I met a guy, he got his UCC1 filed in the 1960s. And he told me, he said, a Jew is the one who told him about all of this. He said, it was a Jewish guy that uh, uh, put him up on it. And that's what people don't understand that this ain't new. This stuff been around a long damn time. People yeah. been doing these processes a long They talk about this guy who got arrested, they try to say he's the father of it. He's not the father of it. He's just the first person who got arrested in the public. When it started becoming widely known, because at first it wasn't widely known, it, it started spreading. It started spreading. And, of course, yeah. they're going to deny it wasn't really the intent for everybody in the United States. They didn't foresee the advent of the Internet. This didn't start really spreading until the Internet came about. When the internet came into into play, that's when it started spreading. Yep. But prior to that, you had to know somebody, be a part of some group, or something like that to find out about this information. Yep. Well, I didn't start learning about or knowing about it till a year ago. 
And then I'm like, what? A lot of people, and, 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 and that's what I want. I want people. That's why I spend so much time on showing in videos. My videos that I do on YouTube are to show you that I'm telling you the truth. It's not to show you how to file a UCC1. You got to have in your mind that you have to be able to convince yourself in your mind that what you're doing is right. And the only way that you're going to be able to do this is you got to understand public and private. You need to understand yeah. Article 1, Section 8. You need to understand the Constitution. You need to understand what the Republic is. You need to understand what the democracy is, this corporation, you know, because there's so much stuff out there. Because, like, if I say, well, there are two constitutions, you got to go through a whole bunch of research to prove that because they're hiding so much stuff from you. Yep. It's, it's stuff that was on the Internet 15 years ago that ain't on the Internet today. Yep. And you can't find it. No, they took a lot of Gene Keating stuff off the Internet. You can't find a lot of his stuff. He had a video on YouTube called It's All a Text. It's All a Text. It was a nice, they took, they scraped the internet of that. We was explaining, mm-hmm. that video right there was so fucking bad. He was explaining everything about this, how the taxes relate to these cases. And they took it off the internet. You can only find a little, I think a little snippet of it now on the internet. But I've been looking for it. I can't find it nowhere. Right. Well, again, you said thank you for all you do helping us, pointing the direction, you know, read this, watch this, here's what happened to me. I I appreciate it, and I know many, many more people do too. So thank you for your time today, and uh, God bless you. You're welcome. All right. You good, Let me go back you have a good online. Time. You're welcome. You're welcome, sister. Yeah, you know, y- y'all need to listen. <laughs> I put up the case that I was talking to my man about. Um, just a quick announcement. You know, I had somebody send me an email. They're asking me for a copy of the material that uh, the gentleman sent me on. Uh, I made it a part. I just posted in my platinum area. You know, I'll make it available. It's in my platinum area right now. I'll make it available to all three levels. But at right now, it is already posted in my platinum area. If you're off uh, SBC University, because I don't want people calling me and asking me for it, so I just posted it in there. Uh, you can download it off the website. I even make it a part of the free uh, free area too. But right now it's in the uh, in the platinum area. So if y'all want that, because I'm looking through that case, it's a very interesting case. All right, so you don't have to call me and ask me about it. I posted it, and you know I'm making it available uh, to everybody so y'all can see it. Let me get back on the internet six one seven. 3484. Online. Shalom, shalom. How you doing? Shalom. Shalom Aleikum. What's going on? Um, what's going on? Um, so my situation, I emailed you about it before we went back and forth, but I just wanted to make it a little clear. So right now, um, I'm going to facing the same kind of foreclosure. They they already foreclosed when I'm still on the property. And I've been going back and forth with the judge and everything. So they um said uh, they they said I was in default. I went and got the judge to um take the, remove the default. So now they want to do a summary process trial on um this week coming up. So I mean, my whole they doing a summary is, they doing a summary trial because there ain't no facts at issue. You ain't controverted any facts. Uh, you know that they didn't put in. Go ahead, go ahead. Go ahead, go ahead, go ahead. Finish your talk. Uh, finish no, your I didn't talk. mean to cut you off. Uh, well, no, basically, 
Yeah, I'm here. Go ahead and finish. Okay. Yeah, so um, it, basically, um, when I went in, when I was in court the first time, everything I argued they didn't answer, so they wanted to do a trial, and I and I said, well, I'm I'm allowed a trial by jury, and the and the judge denied it. So I looked over at the lawyer and I said, well, are you my accuser? I was like, who's my accuser? And nobody, you know, obviously no one stepped forward. So I I looked at the judge and I was like, this matter should be dismissed. And he was like, well, I'm not just not going to do that. So I said, well, what law are you citing to refuse that where there's no one coming here to claim anything from me? And he was just like, well, we're just going to have a, a trial date anyways. So now I didn't show up for the 14th because they told me that they were going to set the date after that, but they changed their wording and said and they just they said that that was the trial. So I, I got that default removed. So now Wednesday, my whole thing is, is like, what's the best approach? Because every I I re, I, re, I submitted I mean I submitted but I was re, I responded at least over by now seven eight times with notarized certified mail letters all of them went unrebutted okay. I filed that okay. into the, into the, I got you I got you all right first of all if you're in court you got to object to everything you got to know how to form an objection the first thing I would tell you to read is there's a document on the internet called Court Tricks and Traps I made. I think I made a video about it, but it, I know it's definitely on SPC University. I'll make another video about court tricks and traps. But you Google it, put in court trips and tricks and traps PDF. It's a two-page document. You need to memorize everything on there that you need to say. As a matter of fact, I'm going to read it for you right now. It's not even that long. But if you're going to operate in court, it's called court tricks and traps PDF. All right. I, all right, you're going to put that in. It's going to freedom screw. It's going to pop up. It's by Valiant Liberty. Valiant Liberty, by the way, he's still he's a sharp cat. You know, if y'all know him, man, I'd love to talk to him. He's a sharp cat. But uh, basically, he said, how attorneys' unsworn statements become facts of evidence and how to prevent it. The trial court has the discretion to admit or exclude evidence. The appellate court will reverse only on the abuse of discretion standard. See National Lab. And fire insurance company versus Allen. If the trial court sustains the objection, it will not admit the evidence. The party who offered the evidence still has other options that it must exercise or it weighs the error. If the trial court overrules the objection, it will admit the evidence. The party whose objection was overruled still has other options that it must exercise or it weighs the error. An attorney's unsworn statements are not evidence. That's why I keep saying they got that codified in almost all 50 states. But here's the case, U.S. Governor Marks, 1997, okay, that talks about it. However, on appeal, a lawyer's unsworn statements can be considered evidence unless the other side objected at the trial. Normally, an attorney's unsworn statements must be under oath to be considered as evidence. All right, Branda Supra. If a lawyer is presenting facts to the court, the other side should object and ask the lawyer to be sworn and subjected to cross-examination. All right, Branda Supra. When in doubt, a lawyer should always object to the fact statements of another lawyer. And this is when I went in court. After I read this, I went into court, and every time that attorney spoke, I said, objection, Your Honor. Objection, Your Honor, hearsay. Objection, Your Honor, hearsay. Objection. I didn't even let him speak. Because it goes, if the other party is aware the lawyer is testifying and does not object, the administration of the oath is waived. Full, full, uh, full and Winder versus American Guard and Leop Insurance Company. No. 
the Texas Disciplinary Rule of Professional Conduct 3.03 forbids a lawyer from making false statements of material facts to a tribunal. So it is presumed that when an attorney is stating facts without being under oath and not subject to cross-examination, the statements are the facts unless objection is made. Anytime an attorney starts stating facts, it is most likely hearsay unless the attorney has firsthand knowledge of the facts, and even then, the attorney must be under oath and, sub- and subject to cross-examination unless the other party fails to object. Almost every time an attorney opens his mouth, the opposing party should be objecting. Mm. Okay, mm. When, trial counsel, when trial counsel foresees the possibility that he or she will testify on behalf of a party about a disputed fact issue, not attorney fees, I, not attorney fees, that's what the other lady was just bringing in, it, swearing attorney fees and all that, okay? The mm. lawyer should file doubts in favor of preserving the integrity of the evidence and, de- and decide against continued participation as trial counsel. A testifying lawyer may still engage in out-of-court matters relating to the case, including preparing and signing pleadings, planning strategy, and negotiating settlements. Okay, so when a lawyer starts testifying to hearsay facts, the pro se should be objecting and demanding he take the stand under oath subject to cross-examination and that he withdraw his trial counsel. A party should attempt to secure an explicit... Now, here's the trick that the judge put on you. All right, because you're sitting there talking to the judge, asking him questions, and you're not following the rules, because all that damn conversation shit ain't going to get you nowhere. Asking, well, what rule, right. what law you, you got, and all that. Now, nah, he's like, nah, an objection. Objection. All right, sustain over... You're making a record. You're not there to have a conversation with them. You're there to make a record. You need to have a, 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 a stenographer in the, in the courtroom, okay? And that's who you're talking to. You're talking to the record. For the record, Your Honor, does not have any evidence, you know, I take exception to the Honorable Judge, it, whatever you say. I will conditionally accept that the Honorable Judge can continue these proceedings upon proof of claim. You can present some points of law into the evidence file that will support the judge, judge's contention that he can continue when I've objected to the hearsay evidence that's been presented in this matter, and you've refused to object on it. Well, okay, you know, go ahead. Okay, so the, that first part of what you just said, where I conditionally accept your offer upon proof of claim, I stated that, and every time he asked me a question, I said, I accept your offer conditionally, and then I would respond. But everything I responded was the same exact thing over and over, because you know, he wanted to well, get no, into I mean, yeah, it. It depends on what kind of question he's asking you. Like, give me an example of what he asked you. What uh, do you remember said, him so asking? Okay, so basically, he he wanted me to identify myself as the name on the court docket. So once we got past that point, he said, "Did you ever sign anything?" I and I stated, "Well, I signed I'm, for." No, no, well, oh, no, well, you don't admit to nothing. You know, I'm not in. I'm not in. I'm not in possession of any evidence. That would uh, that would uh, substantiate allegations that I meant that I signed any documents, Yana. You're not lying, because what is the rule? Okay, what's the what's the principle? The burden of proof is on him who asserts, not him who denies. That is a question that gets you to testify against yourself. It is a trick question. Let me tell you straight up. All right, so you don't want to lie. You don't want to perjure yourself. Right. So you put the honest probande on him, not you. I'm not in possession of any evidence. I'm not in possession of any evidence, Your Honor, that would substantiate that um, any documents exist 
with uh, my a wet blue ink signature signed by myself with first hand or any person with first hand knowledge that I signed any documents. Because okay. you, you see what I'm saying? You don't have to. No, you don't have to. You you don't have to testify. You don't admit to nothing. Right. You don't have right. to. You know. You know what I'm saying? Y'all got to admit nothing. You know when y'all the one brought me in here. Where's your evidence? Why are you asking me questions? I, you know what I'm saying? You need where's your evidence? Okay, so that's what it is. is in, so it's not the paperwork that's as, that that is as important as what you're actually saying in court. The record, the record, the record is everything. Right. right, right, right. Court is okay. Right, you're right. Okay, okay. Because see, my situation is is everything that you're saying I put on paperwork, but when it comes to actually speaking in the on you the gotta record, you got to speak in court. But you got to know how to speak in court, man. You know you can't right, get that. Right. Yeah, that's see, that's something I'm trying to kill. You know, people just think paperwork got all this power. Paperwork is cool. It's fifty percent. The other fifty percent is you got to go in court. And you know how to conduct yourself in court. That's why I want. It's really, yeah. you don't even want to be going in these courts. There's really not no place for you to be in in the first damn place because right. you know you have to be trying to study all this and learn all this shit because that's not your domain. The superior man stays within his own domain. Your domain is on the private side and dealing with contracts and all that and equity courts. Not in here dealing. With all of these statutory codes and all that stuff, that's not your domain. That's the domain right. of attorneys. That's their domain. And we really need to be right. trying to stay out of it. I'm just telling y'all all of this from my experience. You know, I don't go into court no more. I try to stay out of court as much as possible now. I, I already had my feel of all the corruption and everything that goes on in there. I, I know what goes on in there. Okay, I understand what y'all are going through. I know a lot of y'all are trying to save your homes and all this kind of stuff. But you got to understand this. You know, you got into a mortgage, okay? You didn't pay it. You didn't pay it, okay? So you had an agreement that you went into. Now it's coming to the coming to the light. They didn't really loan you no money and all this, but there's still a contract that exists, all right? So it's not fraud that you're trying to prove. It's you know it's performance. You know what I'm saying? Did they perform on the contract? Was there really any money issued and so, and so forth? This is what Tom Shaw is trying to explain to all of y'all in the Banker's Secret Manual. He's telling you, you're not going to win going into court talking about fraud. You're not going to win that. Because first of all, in fraud, you got to prove intent, which is very difficult right. to prove. But you're not right. going to go into court and, and, and win hollering about fraud. All right? So that's why it's, it's necessary for you to, it's about evidence, facts. Uh, you got to put your facts together. You got to know what is a fact, okay? If you don't have copies, like, for instance, all right, I got somebody right now I'm doing something for, all right? He's, he, okay, he just got a letter back from the mortgage company. He asked for, he's not even behind. The best time to do this is when you're not on behind on your mortgage either. That's the best time. Yeah. Right? They ain't got no win when you ain't behind on anything, all right? And you're in honor. So, you know, you're sitting there right now, we asked for a verification, uh, that they in possession of the promissory note and all that, and they wrote back a letter and said essentially, uh, "Here, hold on, let me let me get the letter. I'm gonna read it to you. I'm gonna read it. Okay. Now what it says, this is M and T Bank, and they said." M&T Bank received your correspondence dated September 5th, 5th 2018, 
I received on September 14, 2018, which purports to be a notice and demand for full disclosure. We acknowledge your request for presentment of the original note and mortgage you signed at origination. Please be advised, while we maintain these documents in our loan records, we do not release them for inspection. They tell everybody that we got it. They saw, well, we got mm. it, but we can't release it for inspection. Notwithstanding, right. the foregoing, notwithstanding the foregoing, in good faith, MT, MT is enclosing a single-sided certified true copy of the note and mortgage that was executed in connection with the mortgage loan referenced above. Now, of course, you know what they do. They send you a copy of all your mortgage paperwork. This ain't no damn certified and true copy. It's a damn copy. Right. It's got right. damn copy. This ain't no certified and true copy, okay? This is a damn, ain't nothing certified. I don't hear about nothing. It's just a copy of, of anything anybody can get down from the real estate record. All right? Right. They sent that, and then they put together some sort of look like accounting, restricted reserve, restricted escrow, replacement reserves, look like some customer account activity statement. They sent it, look like they printed it up themselves and everything, like they just made it up. Don't look like right. nothing to fix. All right, so that's what you're gonna get when you know what you're looking at. You're gonna get all these little weird looking documents they sending you, and then they sending you a letter. All right, this is a mortgage research retail loan servicing. Now I'm gonna respond to this. I'm gonna say, okay, you ain't gotta send me uh, the actual documents. I need you to sign an affidavit saying that you do have them in your possession. Now you will never get them to sign an affidavit. You will never get them to come into court as we're under oath. None of these things are going to happen. I, you know why? Because they didn't loan you any money. They are lying. That's why they won't swear to nothing. Attorney can get on here and say whatever the hell he want to say to me. It don't mean a damn thing unless somebody from the organization signed an affidavit stating under penalty of perjury that what they're saying is correct. And I've been doing this over 10 years. I, I mean, well, at least eight. And I ain't seen them not one time sign nothing. Now, that's what you, now where do I get that from? You get that out of Bank and Secret Manual. You got a little administrative process in there where you sign an affidavit because you got to sign an affidavit too. And then you send them a pre written affidavit for someone who can bind their corporation. Usually that's the CEO, CFO, or somebody, the secretary, or somebody like that of the corporation. Who, somebody who's listed at the Secretary of State's office, they stop taking, the, they stop, they start pulling the names of the officers off the Secretary of State's office because of this mortgage debacle too. They start pulling all their names off. You got to do some research to find out who's damn CEO. Because a lot of times these mortgage companies them shit an attorney then created and made up. Right. Anybody can make up a corporation. Right. Who the fuck are right. you? I don't know who no damn right. M and bank is, all this kind of stuff. Who are you? Okay, never heard of you before right. in my life. Okay, so I need right. some sort of affidavit signed by somebody. Okay, who can bind your corporation, the CEO, CF, not no coming from no damn uh, mortgage research loan research service in Megan Mitchell with a copy of a signature. This ain't the original signature. Why did she send me? Okay, that's another thing. She wrote a letter and she didn't send she wrote a letter and signed it and didn't send the original letter, sent me a copy of the letter that she signed. Now, why do you think she did that? Because she don't have it. <laughs> well, it's not presentable as evidence in court. Right, right. Okay. She can say, I didn't sign that. I don't know where that came from. Right. 
Y'all got to know what y'all looking at in the game. Learn the rules to the game. I, it's a game these people play. They ain't changed their game. They still doing the same game for the last long as I've been doing this. I don't even be having even. Y'all call me. I don't even have to look at your paperwork. I already know what the fuck they did. Because they ain't changed up nothing. They're doing the same thing that they've always done. Because they don't have no accounting. They don't have the promissory note. They don't have any of these things that they're talking about. They're not a real party in interest. They didn't loan you any money. Because ain't no goddamn money loan nobody no way. Because everything in the right. economy operate off deck paper. Right, right. So, so let me ask you, because this is the second attorney since June, and it's a whole new law firm. So the first one, I did exactly what you just said, and I guess I presented in the superior court first. The judge didn't give me a TRO to stop the foreclosure, so that went through. So when I dealt with the CFO of the bank, he accepted, but he and they also responded. But then maybe maybe like three weeks later, this new attorney popped up, and then I've been going back and forth with him, and he's who I got is who I'm facing in court. So what I'm trying to understand is how did if how did two different because this was first owned by Option One, then it went to Countrywide, then it went to Bank of America, and I thought I was dealing with them in 2014, and then all of a sudden these guys just popped up uh, last year. It should be some sort of assignment filed in the real estate uh, records. Unless it's a mirror, well, you know, mirrors they start doing electronically in mirrors uh, and mortgage right, electronic right. registration systems. But you know, you you know, look on your company, your mortgage and see that it has a mirrors a, a number on it. You can look it up. Okay. Mirrors have a website on the internet that you can plug them numbers in and look stuff up in. But at the same time, they should have some sort of assignment. And usually if a mortgage is assigned while the it's in foreclosure, then the person who's trying to foreclose on you is a debt collector. Now right, they right. they half and half throughout the country on that. It's about fifty percent say they are, fifty percent say they not. So you got to look in your jurisdiction and see what the rulings are on assignments of mortgages while it's in default, and whether or not that party is considered to be a debt collector. Because if they're a debt collector, they not don't have no right to, uh, to, to the collateral whatsoever. Well, that's. That's exactly who they are. They, they're a debt collector. That's exactly who they are. Um, the whole, that, that's why when I asked them, when I said in court, I said, well, who's the, I, I looked at the, the lawyer first, and I asked him, I said, do I owe you a debt? Are you claiming that I owe you a debt? And he didn't say anything. So I looked around no, the whole not. courtroom, and I was like, who's here? Go ahead. They're not. They're not going to admit nothing. Right. He ain't going to say that on the record. It's a presumption of a debt. It's a, it's a presumption of a debt, unless properly rebutted. There is no debt. There's only presumption of debt. Every attorney send you a letter, he say it in the first correspondence. If you don't answer this in 30 days, it's going to be what? Presumed that the debt is valid. Right. So but what if they don't respond to it? Because I, I read the, the FDCPA, and I, and I followed it exactly. Gave them 30 days, 30 days, 30 days, and they haven't responded to anything. And so you know how... You got to default them out. You got That's where you got to have a notary, submit your documents. You have to have a, a, a certificate of non-response. That certificate of non-response, non-response needs to be filed into the court. You need to have that notary available to come and testify. And also, you need, uh, uh, and you need to present that into the evidence file, read it into the record. You tell the judge, John, I have something I'd like to make a part of the record. Here, Exhibit A is my certificate of non-response. Um, as you can see, 
uh, in my correspondence. They failed to rebut in a timely manner. All right. All of these allegations. So there's no material issue of fact to be resolved on these particular matters. And they are effectively a stop from bringing these matters up into the, in these proceedings. If the judge try to move ahead of you, make sure you make on the record objection. Your Honor. I take exception to the honorable judge, you know, allowing them to put this in the evidence. I object to the fact that here's the evidence and make your record. He may run over you, but sometimes they run over you because they don't want to deal with it. Like, okay, y'all ain't going to be the one to give you a ruling and put that shit on record. You let the appellate court do that. I'm not going to do it because the appellate court is what the real judges are anyway. That's when you start getting to the real judges, not these administrators, all these elected, appointed people. Well, that's what I'm saying. You're 100% right because when I when I when I filed for appeal two years ago with uh, going against National Grid, they literally didn't move my the record to the appeal courts in Boston. So what they did when I called Boston, they came and told me they said, "Yo, the court never sent us anything for appeal." So this go around, that's exactly where I'm at. Where I'm at, I'm at the position where I objected in, to everything, but the judge still moved forward. So I asked them. Well, um, am, am I not required? I didn't deal with all. I didn't deal with all that too. Let me tell you how to handle that. When you go to the, oh, when you go to, before you do, before you do, can I just say one, add one last thing to that? Yeah, the go whole ahead. Thing that gets me a little twisted up is that in the beginning of the whole process, they had one court officer. When when my when my matter came up, there was already seven seven court officers, and that's what they do every single time I go into court. It's like once they see the name on the docket. And I and I go up to present myself immediately. This, they load up, with, and I understand it's an intimidation tactic. But if it's they an intimidation tactic. Up, it's an right. intimidation tactic. All right, you just remain calm, remain professional. Okay. It's an, they did that yeah. to me. I was in federal court, and um, when it was okay, they had like they loaded up the court with like I said about eight U.S. marshals. All yeah. right, so they yeah. got they got them all around the room, but they all sitting down. They're all sitting down. So when it was my turn to speak, I'm, I was sitting down speaking, and the judge said, will you please stand and speak? So when I stood up to speak, all the marshals stood up and looked like they're going to rush mm-hmm. me. And it threw me off. Right. I was like, oh, shit. You know what I'm saying? I was like, right. I, and then she, I looked at the judge, and she started, she's sneering at me. You know? And mm-hmm. so I knew then it was a scare tactic. I got my, I regained my composure, because they threw me off. They're okay. going to do stuff to throw you off. You got to understand, fear is right a choice fear right. is a choice all right courage doesn't mean that you don't have fear it means that you're able to move ahead in spite of your fear that's why you have to know that you're right and that's also why you have to be spiritually grounded all right you got to understand right. you have to have trust that there is a higher power that will protect you especially if you're the only way though you will receive protection from this higher power is if they I, i'm gonna say it just like how the christians say it you have to be right with God. Okay, then what does that mean? What does that mean being right with God? What does that mean? It means that you are in harmony with natural law. Because natural law are laws that are instituted by the creator. Okay? Right. So you have laws that are put in place. All right, so when you understand when you understand how to get right with God, when you haven't hurt another man or their property, where you are, you have done unto others what they have done on, doing unto you. You really should read the Gospels. I would encourage people to read the Gospels. But you got to have some sort of faith, all right, when you go into these courtrooms 
because and because you you have to understand that your only protection is coming from the Creator. It's not you cannot put no faith in men. You cannot put faith in me. I'm just a messenger. Right. I'm right. just a messenger. I'm just a messenger. Right. That's all I am. I'm a messenger. I'm not God. I'm not the Creator. Right. I'm not any of these things. I'm just a messenger. And y'all, I know sometimes y'all look at the messengers and y'all like y'all be very impressed with the messengers, but never forget John the Baptist was a what? Messenger. A messenger. <laughs> That's right. He was a forerunner. Right. You know what I'm saying? He wasn't guy. He was doing some incredible stuff. John the Baptist was. But when right. Jesus stepped on the scene. You know, you know, it's a totally different matter. So you gotta understand that, and that's you, and you can use that as an analogy, right, for something right. that you know you have to understand is like I, I, I'm, I'm just a messenger. Okay, I was endowed with a gift. I share it with my listening, uh, listening audience. But I'm not God. I'm not, you know, I'm not the end all, be all, and everything. I'm here to give a message to wake people up to prepare people because I'm one man. Ain't no way in hell I can topple this system change this system or do anything like that you know i can tell you what the law says i can't make the judges in court uh follow the law you know you go back in the law they don't follow it you know we're used to what i do i mean you know what are you asking me for you know i can tell you what the law says they don't choose to follow the law okay that's some enforcement provisions maybe maybe you can attack their bond at risk management or do something like that there are remedies for that but that's the thing what they will do they will make you they will try try you to see because they they believe in their heart that you don't know how to get at them. Right. Like you don't know how to no, get that's at exactly. me. That's exactly like, it. That's what they believe. They believe you don't know how to get at them. You know, that's why they do what they do. Yeah, you don't know how to get at me. And it's not, and let me tell you something, but this is what you have to understand too. Understand this. They cannot do whatever they want to do. Stop saying that. Right. That is not true. They cannot right. do whatever they want to do. Okay, everything in the universe has to follow God's laws, whether they want to or not. Even demons respect the laws of God. Yeah, yeah. Um, like, you know what I think it is, man? Is like the way, see, all this stuff you're saying, the one thing that always throws me off is the fact that, you know, whether it was, um, you know, the regular police or Homeland Security, the feds, whatever it was, that's it was that intimidation tactic that threw me off. And eventually the case got kept getting dismissed, all these other cases. But if the judge you know, moves forward. You are, this is um, when you know you're on the right path. When you, you know you're on the right path when somebody's trying to get you, make you afraid of going down that path. Right. That's how you right. know you're on the right path. Right. Because they try to put blocks saying, and everything know. on it, you know. They try to be blocked. No, no, no. They don't do that to the other people walking around like sheep. Don't know what the hell's going no. on. They don't do that to them. Nope. No, because no. no, that's the, thing. the way you the way you break it down is the way it, it helps me. You know, because a lot of the stuff I've been, you know, because I've been I haven't been doing it as long as you have. I've probably been doing it for about maybe five years, but in between went, ran into a couple of issues, uh, you know, health wise. But right. everything you're saying. It's bringing back everything to me, and the way you break it down. That's why I, I, I you know, I, I stayed on your your channel because the way you break it down, it's it's like two just two cashers rapping with each other. So I'm like, yeah, that's how I, I understand it much better. You know what I'm saying? So when I go over my notes, everything starts clicking. So I, you know, yeah. that's why I appreciate it. 
You're going to make mistakes. You're going to make mistakes. You're going to make mistakes. You go in not being sworn in, you know, or firm. You say you're sworn. You know, like before I go into court, first thing, if if the judge come in, if I come into the courtroom and the judge say, how you doing today, Mr. Jones? I say, "Uh, can I be sworn in? Okay. I don't talk to nobody. I don't have no conversations. Because uh, everything that judge says, judges are so well trained. Everything oh, yeah. that come out of their mouth has a purpose. Right, right. Everything that come out of their mouth, I don't care how innocuous it seems, everything that they say, you have to be on guard the time you walk into the courtroom and the proceedings start. You need to be on full guard. You know what got me? is when I was going against Homeland Security, one of the judges was uh, a big brother to me. You remember that big brother program back when, back in the yeah, day? Yeah, right. He was my big brother, and he was also uh, one of my mentors in elementary school. So when he was in the eighth grade, I was in the fourth grade. So when I saw that he was a judge, I'm thinking I, I completely went off guard. And then what I remember is he's got a job to do. And I remember, you know, just especially when I challenged the jurisdiction, he was like, nah, he's like, I'm going to let this other judge, you know, deal with it. I was like, you could dismiss the case right now. He's like, nah, I'm just not going to do that right now. And I'm looking at him. I'm like, damn, we're boys. Like, how are you going to do this to me? But, <laughs> yeah, exactly. Right. Exactly. Exactly. I've said, I, you probably heard some of my my other shows. I didn't told you. I said, if my mama became an attorney, I wouldn't trust her. Okay. Because I'm going to tell, tell you like this. There is something going on behind the scenes that they are a lot afraid of than their relationship with you. And it doesn't yeah, matter yeah. if they related to you, they friends with you, um, y'all homeboys, uh, anything like that. There's something that they know that they know they cannot d- disclose to you no matter what. Okay? Yeah. No matter what. Right? No matter how yeah. close to you they're not. So that's why I say you got to be on your guard. The game begins as soon as you walk into the courtroom, as soon as you walk into right. that courthouse, you got to be on your guard. Right. You got to be on your right. guard, you know, for that time, be alert. Every time somebody speaks to you, I don't care if a sheriff jump on the elevator with you and start holding a conversation with you, you you have to know that he probably was sent at you. Right, right. Yeah. That's no, what it is. That's you got to be, be, <laughs> be, be alerted for everything. Everything you yep. gotta remember what the law says. You know you cannot get in trouble for being silent. Okay, not saying things. I mean like talking. You know because you talk anything you say will be, can and will be used against you. So you know you gotta be very very selective in your words that you use. Ask for clarification when there needs to be clarification. Okay, like you know somebody say, uh, do you understand this? Uh, I said, well, I'm sorry, you know, like I told another show, I'm asking, I need clarification. Where does that come, where does that protection come from? It comes from the Sixth Amendment. I have the right to know the nature and cause of any action that's before me in this case. So before we proceed, I I need some clarification on some things. Okay, I cannot rebut an unstated presumption. Okay? They're they're moving off presumption. Right. the issue. State the issue. Make the issue a part, like in a criminal case. The attorney has to read the charges into the record. Always. You make them do that. Not the judge, not anybody. Who has the claim? 
You got the claim, bring it and make it a part of the record. Who has the claim? They got attorneys appearing in there, and then the people they representing ain't even there. Right, but right, you got, right. You, got to, you know, you see the game? Like the people they represent ain't even in the courtroom. Nah, they're in Delaware. <laughs> they ain't even in the courtroom. But you got to be there. there. You got to right. be there. Right. It's a rigged game. I'm trying to tell you, it's rigged. It's rigged. No doubt. No doubt. No and doubt. the reason why, let me so, explain why. The, the reason mm-hmm. why is because there's a national debt, okay, and they are all of these things that you see are going on are ways to extract payment for the national debt. Uh, this is all about taxes. Everything that's going on with us is about taxes. Right, and we're yep. looked at as the debtor, and the creditor always wins. Right, and this is one of the other reasons why it's so important to complete a secure party process, because you have to get public notice that you are the creditor, and they are the debtor. And, and, any, and any time you make any appearance anywhere, it, it needs to be in that capacity, and the capacity as the creditor. I'm the creditor. Because what you're going to find is, if you go the traditional way, it ain't never going to. People all say, well, that didn't work in court. Well, hell, if you do, I can I can guarantee you what won't work. What won't work if you do it the way they want you to do it. Because they got 98, 99% conviction rate. They got damn, you know, I think it's 100% because I don't see nobody win. I Personally, I don't know. Like from that, not doing it the way they talking about doing it. You know what I'm saying? Right. And then these foreclosures, they taking houses right and left. And you got some of the most intelligent people. I've been all over this country. I sat down with some of the most intelligent people fighting foreclosures. Even attorneys, even some attorneys, super intelligent, know about securitization, understand the process from A to Z. All right. I done been with all of these kinds of individuals. And the success rate is still very low. Yeah. Why is that? Because at the end of the day, there's something going on in this country where we are being looked at in as a certain status. Alright? We're being that's what this was unspoken. You have a certain status as a US citizen. And as a US citizen, you are slave and slave don't have no rights. They don't want to say right. all of this. The reason they don't want to say all of this, look at what just happened when they went out there and uh I don't know that where was that in Nevada, I right, Bundy and all them boys. They yeah, trying to take right, the right. land. I right, my yep. money, you know, like I ain't gonna take a motherfucking thing. We got military people over here too. I right, y'all don't want to act right. right. Let's go. Okay, y'all might get us, but a whole bunch of you motherfuckers coming with us. A whole bunch right. coming with us. All right, a whole bunch. So we just got just as much skill as you got. So you know, so the thing is, like they understand these white people is not gonna play this game with them. They come out and say y'all all slaves. We gotta do this right. It ain't the black people they're afraid of. They're afraid of these damn white people. Like shit, what you just say? Oh hell no. <laughs> oh hell no, heads must roll. And they will roll them. They will roll them heads. So they got they ain't gonna tell a lot of things. Out in the public, they got to play all these games with us and everything. But when you do the study, especially as much research as I have, I look at I didn't move past reading documents for other people. I'm in the congressional record, I'm in the law books looking. I mean, it's all there for you to see. A lot of it, right. matter of fact, you're gonna find so much evidence, it's gonna shock you. You're gonna be, I can't believe this is in the correct congressional record. I can't believe it. Why nobody talking about this? Whole bunch of stuff. Not a few That's games, cool. a ton of stuff. You know, a ton right. of stuff. 
So, you know, so it's things like, like, you know, like that. Once you understand what is going on, you see what it is. It's like they are, they have a plan. Their plan is to enslave everyone and they're going to take everybody's property. They're instituting their plan. They got agenda 21, all this kind yeah. of stuff. You know what I'm saying? Yep. They got things that mm-hmm. they're trying to do. And you're looking at mm-hmm. and you're you're not thinking, you think it's a joke until you your house gets foreclosed on or until you get right. the criminal case. And then you begin to see the reality of what they're talking about. Okay, this shit is yeah. real. This ain't no damn uh, motherfucking conspiracy theory. They really trying to do nope. this. The liberal left, yep. the liberal left, you go back through the records, everything they have done is to enforce welfare on us. Because as long as we own that welfare, we have a certain status. It's true. True. And I'm not just talking about mothers, uh, you know, single mothers. I'm talking about the welfare state. Right, right, right. Anyway, I hope that helps a little so, bit, brother. Go ahead. You got, <laughs> I let you ask one more question, then I got to move on. Go ahead. All right. All right. Um, so. Basically, when I when I go in next week, my whole thing should be require jurisdiction and uh, pretty much uh, requires you know the the accuser to present every, every everything in fact, right? Just I mean well, I, I know there's a lot more, but I'm just saying well, first basically. Thing, first thing, first thing, get you a court reporter. Second okay. thing, object to everything the attorney says because he doesn't have firsthand knowledge of any of the facts. He is everything he's saying is hearsay. All right. So the first, the first thing you do is make them present a, 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 a competent witness. Have that on your mind, and then learn how to object and listen for the judge to sustain, sustain the overrule. If you don't then sustain overruled into the record, you need to form an, an exception. Okay, I take exception to the fact the judge did not enter sustained or overruled into the record. Because right now we're talking about what's called reversible error. You are allowing hearsay evidence into the record over my objection when it's plain to see that attorney don't have firsthand knowledge of nothing. Right, right. Okay. All right. That's the first thing. Be careful of answering questions. Did you sign this document? Have you made payments? Have you made? Have you been making payments on this? I'm not in possession of any uh, statement of account authenticated on this record that would demonstrate that I have. Right. You get the game, okay? It, you, you ain't gonna lie. You, it's called a demure. Right. It's like I, the burden of proof is on you. I don't have to. I'm not confirming nothing. The burden of proof is you prove it. Don't get me to testify. Right. For you where you don't have to prove nothing. That's the game. They're getting you to testify so they don't have to prove anything. They're using your own words against you. And if you, if you right. give them the words, then they don't have to prove nothing. You just said right. it. I got you. I got you. Yeah. I hope so that helps you out, brother. <laughs> Read, 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 court, read court tricks and traps. Make sure you read that document. Definitely. Study Definitely. that. I study that. Make sure you have a court reporter and make sure you understand having your mind that you've taken this to appeal and let them know that you're taking it to appeal. All right? Because you already know. If you get a court reporter in there, they're going to treat you different. 
they're going to be very careful what they say because they don't want nothing to come on the record that would compromise their position of impartiality. So they're going to make sure that they, you know, they, they do everything correctly to make sure, you know, just not a form of objection. All right. And you say, well, you know, we don't have any evidence before this court that would substantiate that they have an interest in the matter or that they're a real party of interest. Right? Based on the fact they lack somebody with firsthand knowledge of all material facts, uh, you know, I move this court to dismiss it. Or, you know, let's move this to Superior Court so we can take up the issue of title. Mm. Because you have an entitlement right to the promissory note, the proceeds of the note itself. That's under UCC 3-505. So you need to establish also that you're the real holder and a holder in interest. Put in the affidavit say that you're the real holder, uh, real uh, holder in due course, and uh, send a copy of it to the opposing counsel and allow him an opportunity to rebut it, default him out, and present that in case. Uh, in the case, you can say, well, I'm the holder in due course. Here is an affidavit. I mailed it to the opposing counsel. They did not, uh, they not, uh, they did not respond to it as evidence by my certificate of notice response authenticated that I, uh, as Exhibit B. I'm making that a part of the record. And since there is no issue of fact as it relates to this particular matter right here, pursuant to UCC 3-505, I have an entitlement right to the proceeds or the instrument itself. And that's been codified in all state laws throughout the, uh, throughout the union. It's called a uniform commercial code. It's uniform throughout the state. So they need to present it. Or give me the proceeds. I'm making, I'm making a counterclaim. On the proceeds, I need that. You can have a house. Give me my money. Right, right, right. Okay, brother. I thank you so much, man. Appreciate you so much. Ah, right, you're welcome. You're welcome, right. brother. Shalom, brother. All right, peace. Shalom, shalom. All right, let's keep going. Woo. Y'all be wearing me out, boy. Uh, let's go over to, hold on, let me find this mic real quick. Where is my, oh, there it is. Okay, uh, let's go over to area code. Let's go over to, some of y'all people calling in back to back. Let me give some of the other people a chance to call in and talk. Let's go over to, uh, let's go to D.C. real quick. 202 area code 7390, Washington, D.C. Don't lie. Peace to you, brother. Peace to you, brother. Peace. How are you? I'm doing all right, brother. What's going on? All right. Everything is beautiful. Blessed Friday to you. All right. All right. What can I do for you, my brother? Uh, uh, we have two questions here today. We have a group of brothers here with us that are, that are trying to operate under or trying to get the instructions of operating under a trust. But I have a question that are well two questions they're very simple if you could kindly uh answer them for us we'll be greatly appreciated um my first question is what were the two traditions that existed before the 12th century and if the common law was structured solely for commerce and i don't want to participate anymore under what black's law dictionary defines as law judicial and legislative and I want to live, pers- let's say, for instance, according to canon law or scripture code, uh, you know, structure my life according to a, a, a divine precept. Uh, do I have to learn public and private or do I 
how should yeah, I just yeah, the seven principles of law? Okay, first of all, public and private is is a derivative of natural law. Because one of the okay. one of the principles of natural law is polarity. There are two sides to everything. You can't name nothing in nature that there's not two sides of. Thank you. There's two sides to everything. All right. So you have a public and a private. As far as your first question, before twelve hundred, you go back to eleven hundred with Edward the First and William the Conqueror and his invasion, where they instituted a new form of law and uh, nomenclature, this French-type law that they brought in and so forth. And this is when the advent of the statute merchant and all of this started coming into play. It's around 1100 with Edward I. But admiralty and common law have been in, in existence for a very long time. It really it starts with the Moors. The first word was Amir, which is a Moorish term. Okay, it goes right. back them. So you have the law of the sea and the law of the land that have been in existence since the beginning. Now, when you read the clerk's praxis, uh, which is probably the authority on this subject, uh, you can go in and find out that the law of the sea extends onto the land. It's about it's about the subject matter. It's about the subject matter, which is commerce. Uh, which is commerce. Okay. Uh, which, is, uh, which is the law between merchants and so forth. And it's been in existence for a very long time. Now, this battle between common law and admiralty has been going on, going back and forth for about a thousand years. It's not new. It's been going on for a long time, back and forth, back and forth. Sometimes the common law dominate. Sometimes the admiralty would dominate. You go and look at Elizabeth. I think she had reign last about 30-something years. And everything. she put in some writs of prohibition against the common law courts and then against the admiralty courts and uh, all of that, go back and read her Rich of Prohibition, you'll see what I'm talking about. It's been going on for a long time. Long time. And the reason why is because how the court system worked in feudalism, you had barons. Right? And the barons had their own court system. They were, you know, they were feudal lords. And every feudal lord had their own court system. Kind of like today, what you see with county courts. They kind of like a mirror of the barons. During that time, they got their own respective counties and everything where they have their own rules and all of that kind of stuff right there. And the reason why you wanted your own court system, because they money, they cash register courts is making money. Like the bars they put outside the temples. Yeah, exactly. Okay, Mm -hmm. it's making money. It's salvage. They dealt a lot with salvage back then and and dealing with legal fiction. All this stuff been around for a very long time. The law of merchant go back 6,000 years all the way back to Babylon. You read the Code of Hammurabi and a lot of stuff and see evidence of that everywhere. It's been around for a very long time. So it's taken, it, it, they've slowly over time. But it's been around for a long time. But the number one rule of the universe is free will. Uh, you have a free right. will. Uh, and your free will is based off how you trained yourself to think, what paradigm that you follow. Because right, I know somebody said, well, do I have to participate? You don't have to do nothing, okay? You can't be forced to do anything, okay? Slavery is a choice, believe it or not, all right? Because how you, in whatever situation you find yourself in, you thought yourself into that situation. So the, the only person that can truly be free is a self-perfected individual. If we want to just get technical about it, they want to just really go in on this particular subject, okay? The only person that can truly be free is a self-perfected individual, because you have trained yourself through discipline how to think constructively and properly the right way all the time. That's true freedom. Harmonizing yourself okay. with the laws of nature and then bringing your thoughts in alignment with that. As they say, the only way to defeat 
Mother Nature is to obey her. Yes. All right. So we're going to start so now, with the law so of nature because that, that's the basis okay. of all law. That's the basis of all law, yeah. laws of nature. Go ahead, go ahead. You had a question? Yes. Uh, uh, so I, I wanted to say, so if we say wanted to safeguard ourselves in dealing, if we, I mean, we don't plan to deal publicly with the system, but if we wanted to safeguard ourselves in uh, 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 all of our doings privately, then how do we go about setting up a trust? I mean, set up trust. A trust is a contract. It depends on what, how y'all want to uh, how y'all want to operate. Y'all want to operate as a group or individually. I I would group. suggest that you operate as a group. Okay, I would suggest yeah. that you operate as a group. I because this really needs to be a community thing, not an individual thing. The whole community needs oh. to have a community trust. It needs to be a community trust. Okay, like I'll use the Moors for example. I always use them for example because they always talk about the Moors trust. Okay. You form a trust, and then you appoint the most competent individuals in your organization to act as trustees. These individuals are knowledgeable in in investing. Maybe you have some people who are builders. Maybe you have people who are uh, knowledgeable in banking. You know, all of them have different type of uh, uh, expertise. If you want to see an example of this, go to to Correction Corporations of America's website and look at the list of their trustees and look at their um, their resumes, right? and patting yourself after that, all right? All right, so now you got this trust. You forming a trust is a contract, okay? It's a document. It's an indenture agreement. You do a declaration of trust in the indenture, and right? you put together all of it. It's just like the Constitution. It looks exa- A trust agreement looks just like how the Constitution is. You have articles. Right? You point out the, uh, you limit the powers of the trustees, all right? You, you identify who the beneficiaries are going to be. If you need a trust protector, we need to decide what is going to be the corpus of the trust, what you're going to put into the trust. If you're going to invest in how you're going to fund the trust. I just did a, a show last night, okay, where I went over and gave you an example of a group. Uh, they went, had nothing, and they formed an investment uh, 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 trust based off of looking for oil, Reddings versus Dunbar, I think that's the name of the case. All right. And then he gave you the pattern to how to do that right there in that case. They show you how to do it. Okay. You don't even need no Wait money to do it. Yeah, I think that was it. Okay. So you're going to have some sort of, uh, you have to have some sort of uh, uh, plan, first of all, like a business plan that you're going to put together. And then y'all form your organization. A private trust is based, private individuals, the law that governs them is contract. Contract, contract okay. makes the law on the private side. All interaction between humans is contractual, whether expressed or implied. Okay, it's contract. Okay, so you have a contract, and you can make you can you have the ability to contract unlimited as long. And now, what's the rule? What's the next rule? You can do anything you want as long as you don't infringe on the rights of others. So the public has rights, too. They got something called the public rights doctrine. You need to read that. Okay, the public don't walk around thinking the public don't have no rights. They have rights, too. You can't infringe upon their rights. So you can't write a contract that infringes upon the rights of the public. All right? So this is why you need to know how to do public and private. Okay, because you can't infringe. Y'all, people under this assumption call themselves sovereigns that 
they have all this all authority. No, you 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 are superior in your own domain, and your domain is in the private. It's what they call private rights, right to privacy. All right, private that's right. A, okay. sovereignty. Right. Sovereignty and privacy are synonymous terms. They synonymous terms. Okay, okay? they synonymous terms. Gotcha. You have a right to privacy. That's what you got a right to, and rights are created through contracts. So if you want rights, you got to create contracts. Now, where did I get that? I got that straight out of a law book. And matter of fact, they were kind of being sarcastic talking about the general public think that they have rights by default based off the laws of nature. No, you don't got rights by default. You got rights based off of what you don't put on paper in the form of a contract. When you you get married, okay, that's a marriage contract. When you have a relationship with the creator, it's called a covenant. That's That's a contract with God. Everything starts with, everything is contract. If I, if I could ask maybe to sum up one last question in dealing with the contracts. Uh, I was brought up where, um, you know, we had to go, well, I was forced contracts when I was younger and I had no nescience of they were doing to me until I got up age. So now I just want to say in forming our trust and uh, setting up these contracts, do we have to file this paperwork per se with their courts or maybe an alternative like no, getting them notarized? No, what? no, no, you don't. You know, if you got if you got a house that's put in a trust, you might have put a certificate of trust in the real estate records. You know, that's it. You got to let them know that there's a trust in existence. You don't have to give them your paper. You protect that. First of all, you protect your paperwork. It's private. Even when you open up a right. bank account. The only thing that the bank is entitled to see are maybe the minutes where they establish that we're going to go with this particular bank to open up a bank account, as well as a uh, the portion of the trust that uh, gives the trustees the authority to uh, open up a bank account. That's it. They don't need to see nothing else. Gotcha, gotcha. And what is our particular status? Because you said something about uh, soft, you're throwing up the uh, idea of uh, pop, uh, sovereign. Nas- we call ourselves as far as are we a national, nationals, more. What, what is our status that in the we United stand States, on, in the, on the record? In the United States, okay, let's look at what you don't want to be. What, what do you think we don't want to be? What is it? We don't want to be black. We don't want to be Negro. We don't want to be color. We don't want to be African American. All that falls under all that falls under what? What status does that fall under that they recognize in their law? What was what was who was the Fourteenth Amendment created for? It was created for us or for the indigenous. All the no, all those people you just named. All those people you just named because you had black people. Yeah, citizens there. You had black people, quote unquote, who owned slaves. Anthony Johnson was a black man. First case on the docket to show that he put another black person in perpetual servitude. Because this is based off indenture. These were indentured servants, is what they were prior to this uh, slavery, where you're a slave for life and all of that. Y'all can pull up Anthony Johnson, first uh, black, uh, first court case, slave owner, and you'll find that on the internet. All right, so that lets you know that there were black people for lack of a better word, more, whatever you want to call them, who had a stat, well, who were free. Then you got this thing called freedmen who were slaves and then they were freed. And then you got white people, which that gets into, y'all try to say white is a status. 
I understand why I say why this is the saddest. I got like a million damn court cases where the court tells you straight up that when we say white, we mean Caucasian. I don't know where y'all getting this thing. White, black is the saddest at. Where you getting that from? That's some shit y'all making up. You can't support what you're saying with court records. So I, I can't roll with that because I got the case. I got the case to tell you very clearly that when we say white, we mean Caucasian from the Caucasus Mountains. You want me to read it to right. you? Okay. All right. So there ain't no style. I don't know where they get white as a And then I got an Oxford Unabridged Dictionary that talks about how there were white moors. You do know that, right? Yeah. There were white moors. There were white people who were called moors. As well, and that this white yeah. does not mean what they what y'all got a, that some definition for it. It meant like it meant um blur or something. I forgot. I mean, I got go get your real. Most dictionary. of the Scottish and Irish were were considered uh, white Moors, if I'm correct. They were Moors. Yes, it tells you very clearly in the records there were white Moors. Be white people who call themselves yeah. Moors. So okay. Moor would be the status. Because I, I I'm hearing someone else I, say I, national. I, 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 Y'all have never heard me say problem with you claiming your nationality. What you hear me say is that commerce and nationality is two different things. It's called the Uniform Commercial Goddamn Code, not the Uniform Nationality Code. Right. This, this over here is ain't nothing but business. It's business related. And everything in their system is based off commerce because it falls under Article 1, Section 8, Clause 3. And it don't matter what your nationality is Because contract makes the law You can claim nationality all day But if you contract your rights away right, They're going to enforce that contract It don't matter what your nationality status is What rules everything is contract And they're going to enforce it Status is purely for private then? Well, when you're saying you're private, what you're saying is you're not taking no benefits or privileges. What What is the termination that you in the public primarily is you taking benefits and privileges from the United States government, the corporation. Right, that's a tacit agreement, okay, or implied contract of a certain status, a status being that of a U.S. citizen. They're constantly asking you all the time on applications or you a U.S. It asks you that question over and over and over and over and over. And then they won't let you have access to certain benefits and privileges unless you're a U.S. citizen, like getting a driver's license, uh, going to the Social Security Administration, things like that. Okay, you got to be a U.S. citizen to have some entitlement right to these benefits. Okay, as a private person, what you're saying is I'm responsible for me. I'm resp- Everything you look at in the law, private school. Okay, I, I got documents that talk about the war on these private schools when that first happened, when they started trying to force everybody into these public schools, which they can't do, which they can't do. Okay, you got a right to educate your children yourself. I got the case on that. I'll read it tonight. I'll read it tomorrow. I'll start out my trust case tomorrow where this judge is getting into that very discussion. Okay, I privacy. Okay, you got private schools. You got public schools, okay? Private schools are where they don't receive any type of funds from the government. No government funding whatsoever. If you're receiving some sort of assistance from the government, that constitutes a minimum contact. And as such, 
it's going to fall under the equal right protection of the 14th Amendment, everything. Then the Constitution comes into play because the, for the government to contract with anybody in the private, they have to accept the Constitution. Just like if I got a private trust, and you're going to find this out, when you form a private trust, when y'all need something built, like when y'all get ready to go build a, let's say, a strip mall, okay, you're going to need licensed people to do that, okay? So you're going to have to contract, get some contractors to come out and do that, and they're going to have licenses and things like that. So now you're coming into contact with the public. However, those contractors, before they sign an agreement with the trust, they have to sign an agreement that they will abide by all the terms of the trust agreement before they can do business with you and your private trust. Now, that same thing happening with the Constitution. Before you can come into the public and do business with them, the con- Google this. Constitutional law is public law. Okay, when you're operating in the Constitution, you have what's called constitutional rights. When you operate in the private, you have constitutionally protected rights. They're two separate things. Constitutional rights and constitutionally protected rights. Rights don't come from the Constitution. Rights come from the creator of the balanced universe. Ain't no man giving you no rights. The the legislative and executive branches of government are political branches. That's why y'all more is always talking about, I'm changing my political status. Y'all make that statement all the time. I got to change my political status. Your political status is how you interface with Article 1 and Article 2. It don't have nothing to do with Article 3. It's how you are choosing to do business with the federal government. And Article 3 will tell you that all day. This is, they got something called political question doctrine, where it's because of separation of powers, okay, that the Article 3 cannot interfere with the dealings and business of Article 1 and Article 2. And you will see that very clearly in all the case law, every case law I've read and everything, that you got something called the Ashwander Rule, all right, that is connected to that, okay? It's public and private. All law, I got this from a a judge, a Supreme Court justice. All law is either public or private. You got public international law. You got private international law called conflict of law. Mm -hmm. Okay? You got public and private on everything. But, okay, for the private to come into the public, y'all can Google this, they have to have what is called a compelling public interest. It's called a compelling, meaning that you are engaged in some sort of conduct that they can demonstrate affects the public, which gives them jurisdiction over the matter. So the reason you need to know the difference between public and private is you got to know how to maintain privacy. You got to know how to avoid minimum contact. Okay, this is why you have tax evasion and tax avoidance. Remember, there's two sides to every thing. I can keep going forever. Yeah. Okay. Brother, we love you. We love you down here, brother. Keep doing the strong work, brother. We got more, many more questions, but a lot of more research to do. Thank you for uh, waking us up out this slumber. And y'all come back. Just and let me tell you what gives you the ability to answer questions when you learn the fundamentals. Don't worry about the seven all principles this. of law, right? 
I said, yeah, learn your prince, learn the seven principles of the Constitution, learn the seven principles of natural law, study your, uh, you know, your maxims of law, things like that. Get the principles locked down, and then you can engage gotcha. anybody in any. All law rests on principles, so you know the principle. Thank you. You can brother. answer the question because you know the principle yes. behind. It. Yes, yes, yes. Then you look like yes. you're a genius or something. It's not that you. It's not that you went out and learned a whole lot of information. You just went and learned a whole a handful of principles and know how they apply to every situation. And once you learn those principles, and this is public or this is private, that you got to respect also the rights of the public. Okay, the public have rights. They got rights. It's called public rights. Where did I get that? I started, where did I learn that? I went and got an American jurisprudence. And I pulled out administrative law and started studying administrative law. And that's all they talk about that in there is public rights doctrine. Mm. Mm. I'm giving you the book to go mm. study. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah, we in and out. We eating these books, brother. <laughs> we definitely eating these books. Thank you for that instruction, brethren. Bless the Friday to you again. I right, bless you, bro. Peace to the gods. Y'all have a wonderful Friday afternoon, bro. Peace. All right, let me go over to Oh, let me try this right here. Erico. Uh, let's see. We had uh we over in what is it, Colorado? Look like Colorado, 720 Erico, Colorado. Hey, Yusuf, peace to the gods, brother. It's brother Aaron X. Salam alaikum. Hey, salam alaikum, my brother. Peace, peace, peace. How you doing? Man, I'm doing well by the will and grace of Allah, man. First of all, just want to uh, extend my greetings, blessings, and, and, and great honor and respect for everything you've done, man. It's just the battles and the, and the war wounds that you, you know, you've been through that you uh, take the time out to share with us is to me, uh, extremely valuable. So we understand that when we're going into this, this isn't a uh, this isn't a get rich free thing, and that it isn't it isn't even a free thing because uh, you know freedom is not free. So we appreciate that, dear brother. I appreciate y'all listening to me. You know, I, sometimes I sit back and like, damn, all these people listening to this black man. Go ahead. I just, uh, I'm, I'm just dealing with a few issues, man. Um, you know, I, I did 20 years in prison straight, man. And, you know, Colorado right. was one of those states that, uh, you know, Caucus Mountains, and, and they made a lot of their uh, uh, finance and resources off of being a lock-up state. Um, right. But, um, what what I was dealing with is, um, you know, the, the Colorado uh, uh, um, Sex Offender Registry. And I had a situation where, um, you know, I killed my number. They even had uh, uh, in a couple of civil cases where, um, they they declared the uh, that that registration law as um, um, unconstitutional, but they they were requiring that you know anybody that wanted to take advantage of that they had to go inside the box and you know um, um, file their their civil protest um, from that standpoint. But um, I had already uh, I had already started my uh, uh, status correction. You know did my um, did my UCC one, the WA, you know, I mean the, the 56, got my 98 and all of that. So I started, you know, moving from that standpoint. But you know, I'm new. I have a couple of battle battle scars myself. You know, like they come and repossess my car, and before uh, 
had a mo brother that actually, you know, had said he filed my process for me, but that wasn't the case. But nonetheless, when they repossessed my vehicle, what I did was um, I initiated a, a, a promissory note, and, you know, they they went through it, they looked over it, they, they returned a letter, didn't have no signature on it, they, they tried to act as if it was a, a, a an attorney signing it. So long story short, um, I, I took them to civil court after they had uh, repossessed the vehicle um, and, and filed a, uh, a motion for replevin. And the judge asked me one question. She just saw my simple complaint. And the simple complaint, I had the, the, um, the all caps uh, um, corporate trust as the plaintiff, but I had signed it as the authorized representative. And before we move forward, she said, let me ask you one question. Are you, are you the, are you Mr. Aaron Coleman? Are you the, the authorized representative? And I thought, you know, cause I'm new, but I said, I'm the authorized representative. From there, she, she said, well, let me tell you what you need to do. And she started running it down. You need to file a, a motion for replevin. She said, you, um, um, I want you to file you know a separate motion. You know, oh, hold on, hold on. You know what a replevin is? Well, okay. uh, I didn't uh, at that time. Yeah, a replevin bond is when anybody takes property. Uh, what the replevin bond was is in, in history, before somebody could take property, Okay, that person would have to put in a bond with the sheriff that was worth twice the amount of the property. They still have that today. They still have right. it today. All right, and then they have to show that bond and put that bond on file. So that's what she said. She put a motion for replevin. But anyway, go ahead. So, yeah, she just kind of became an advocate for me. You know, she told me, I want you to file um, your civil complaints against uh, these agents separately. So, you know, of course, it was the, the credit union and then the CFO and then the uh, – the the agent who you know was like the uh the collections or escalation agent and then um she, you know I told her that they still had my property and they wanted me to bring my key to the vehicle to the uh to the branch but they told me I wasn't allowed in the branch because they were afraid because when they took my car you know my wife was I was at work my wife was trying to stop them and she was on the phone like they taking your car they take so I raced home to my other car and saw the guy pulling out of our complex. It got into a, a, a accident. Re- accident, really. I, I, you know, I got into an accident with him, and and you know, the the truck uh, um, ran into a fence. I hydroplaned into another fence. You know what I mean? They they ended up, you know, still taking the car, but eventually, um, you know, we uh, they they gave they had all my my possessions in the car. They wouldn't let me get the possessions out of the car. And so she said, "This is what you do. You follow replevin. Um, just uh." Uh, tell me who has the uh, who has the possession. She, I told her the name of the salvage yard that that it told it. Um, they she she whatever she did, they was calling me the next week and saying come get your stuff. And then I had a uh, I had the court hearing and you know TFO walked up in there with the agent guy and they did a mediation and they gave me the car back. You know what I mean? But that was it was it wow. was a roundabout. It was my first time dealing with that. You know, then when I the second time when I when I when I, you know, when I got my wife's car or discharged the debt on my wife's car, uh, you know, I just, I just simply, you know, went through the administrative process and the bank, you know, they kept everything, but they didn't want to acknowledge it. Um, and they kept, they kept hitting me up, kept hitting me up, but I had possession of the car and never let them, you know, get possession of, it. I just kept it in the garage. So eventually they closed the account. Um, and then uh, sent it to a collections agency. The collections agency hit me up and said, you got 30 days, just like you was telling the last brother, you got 30 days, to um to respond to this or we're gonna presume that this loan is valid and so I, I just hit them with the um you know with the, the, the validation of debt letter saying that they're a third party 
And, um, you know, when I sent that to them, I called them uh, and asked them if they were in receipt of it. They said, yeah. I asked them what was the status on that account, you know, account number. They was like, we have no more interest in this. And so the car was mine free and clear. Now, they haven't given me the title, but it was a less messy way of, of discharging the debt on her vehicle. Put an added, put put added, put, put added newspaper. Is, at, does anybody have claims against the car? Let it run for six weeks, oh, then go okay. get a judgment, have a title in, uh, issued to you uh, 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 from the uh, court. Okay. There was a guy, okay. let me tell you, there were guys here, this, there was a scheme here going on in Georgia. And how I found out about it, how I found out about that was at the courthouse. I was at the courthouse working foreclosures, and there was an attorney and a judge next to the clerk's window that I was next to having a discussion. And what he was talking about, he said, these guys make a lot of money doing this. How are they doing this with these cars? And what they were doing was, is they were taking high-priced cars, like Ferraris, Lamborghinis, and things like that. These guys who didn't right. got these cars and can't pay for them. I didn't got behind right. on them, you know, and things like that. So what they were doing is that they was buying the car from the guy for like 20000 You know, car might be worth like $100,000, 100, $150,000. Two hundred thousand dollars. They, they but and they and they finna get it repossessed. So they say, well, you know, just give it to us. We give you twenty thousand for it. They get the car and then they put an ad to paper, let it run. They wouldn't answer the ad. Then they go to the court and get a judgment on it and get a new title for the car. And that's what they wow. were doing. And they were trying. I don't know wow. what, if they stopped it or not, but I know that that's what you should be doing right now. Is you should be putting a notice in the newspaper, let anybody have any claims, yep. and then take that up to the court. And go ahead and get you a judgment on it and get your uh, get you a new title. Yes, sir. Okay, okay. Then I, I had a, a couple more questions, but um, uh, because I spent so much time, you know, uh, incarcerated, and um, um, you know, I'm I'm really my wife got a baby on the way. We we've been running, you know, a business, a tele a telemarketing business, and actually we we just lo- relocated to Georgia, you know, a year ago from Colorado, and you know we still running our our, our business, but we running it from home and we trying to you know, really get it back moving. So, you know, I'm I'm looking at how to use my status to generate uh, capital for, for my different businesses. I, I want to start, you know, looking to do DBAs for the business because at the time that they were, you know, that I, I started them, they were, um, you know, they were registered with the state as um, LLCs. So I wanted to do that, but I wanted to um, know a little bit more about the, the OID um, 1099 process, and I'm really interested in, in getting my tort process going for my for my case now i tell you a situation man i was i was i was messing with you you know because i got the platinum status and whatnot and i was going i just go through a lot of there's so much information man i'm about to renew my subscription but you have so much information on there it's just it's a beautiful thing because i just go in there depending on what i'm dealing with or i want to do and i look up you know what i mean um um information that you have in the different respective forms and so i was dealing with the i had a i had a tax lien or well it wasn't a lien I was. They said I owe taxes um, on two of my different businesses. One was for eleven grand. The other one was for twenty grand. So when I went in there and did verbatim what you said about turning their um, their uh, their statement that they sent to you into a money order, and now before before this I was on a payment plan and I had paid you know uh, through the ETF. I can't remember that 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 website, but how they have you set up a payment plan and you pay monthly payments. So I had like about five hundred dollars you know, paid towards my little my little payment plan. But when I went and turned their, their statements into the money order, exactly how you said, using the low format and the Photoshop, 
Um, they sent me back a letter and said, you have a $560 tax, and there are no more issues. And I was like, wow. So, you know, these are just some of the small and let me say this It's your spirit When you have Let me, let me talk about that for a second When yes. a lot of times when you knew Some people have a disposition Where they just have a lot of faith And things just work for them yes. Some people yes. have a disposition When they have a lot of doubt And then things don't work for them You know that's why I'm always talking about the spiritual aspect of things The same thing don't work for everybody I haven't seen right. nothing I haven't seen not nothing since doing this that something just works across the board for everybody the same way. It's always like wow. this individual thing that, you know, some things work. It's so many different variables come. Did it get in the right person's hands? Who knows how to process wow. it? Did you get a good judge? You know, all kind of stuff. There's so many different variables. But you see, the reason that this keeps going on, because you keep seeing people have success. Yeah, there are a lot of people who don't have success, but it's a lot of people who do have success. I don't bring, right. I don't parade, right. I don't parade them in front of y'all because that's just not my personality. You know, I'm I'm just a loner right. like that. I don't need to have a ton of people on there. Yeah, come on, my radio show and tell the people what I did work for you and things like that. You know, I don't right. do stuff like that. You know, it's like that ain't. I know what I'm saying is correct. I love you know I let right. it stand on it. You know, so that that's good. I'm glad that it worked for you, and uh, you should keep it going. You uh, you keep it going and everything. Just keep that spirit. Of what you're doing, but don't overdo it. You know, don't try to like, yes. because one thing you can't do is, uh, you cannot, you cannot, you cannot make the system uh, crumble. You can't destroy yes. the system. The system is going to protect right. itself against destruction. Uh, it's going right. to protect itself like anything would. Everything has this sense of uh, uh, survival. You know, us doing all these processes potentially could destroy the system. You know, there is a there is a divine law that you should work. Okay, a workman is worthy of his hire. You know, you are here to work. You are here to uh, be fruitful. You know, you, these are things yes. that you know that you got to understand. It ain't for you just sit on your ass and think you have some entitlement right to get everything for free. But you do right. have a right to get this debt that's on everybody. They had to give us a remedy for it. It had to be a remedy for this twenty-one trillion dollars worth of debt, or else the people in public office they could be accused of treason. For what they did, wow. so they had to leave a door wow. open for it, and that's what it is. You have a right. Everything's prepaid. Everything is prepaid. You yes, just got to make you start the claim. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. I, I got one last question. I'll let you go, man. You've been so gracious. Um, um, how do we uh set up private consultations with you? That's what my wife really was been on my brim about since I've been since I became a member of the other site. Uh, y'all just, uh, y'all just tell. I get so many requests for consultations, boy. Ooh. Uh, I ain't gonna do none today. Catch me after my trust webinar tomorrow. I got your number right here. I know I got call. I got people I gotta call. I got a couple of people I gotta call. I always make a screenshot of the screen because you got your phone number right here and everything. And I, I just call people based off of that and everything. So I got it. And I still gotta call this lady up in New York too. I spoke to her. I'll give her a call. She's listening. I'm going to call her the day after the show. But I, I, I'll give okay. you a call tomorrow sometime, okay, brother? I'll give you a call. All right, man. I appreciate it, man. Keep doing what you're doing, man. Uh, 100, man. We love you, bro, for real. All right. Okay. Thank you. All right. Yes, sir. Peace, peace. All right, peace. y'all. That's it for me today, y'all. I didn't, I didn't, I didn't, I didn't went, to, I didn't shot my last load, for lack of a better word. 
It's a ton of people. The board is lit up. I cannot get to all of y'all today. Uh, I will be back on Sunday. But I'm only talking about spiritual stuff on Sunday. If y'all, I get back to the uh, secure party stuff on Monday. All right, so I'll be back on again Monday, 11 o'clock, 11 a.m. All right, y'all can tune in. And a uh, quick announcement, you know, you need to go over there, you know, and join SBC University because I'm going to start devoting most of my time. I've been, I ain't been, the, I've been kind of neglecting it because I've been all over the place, YouTube and trying to moderate Facebook and everything. But, you know, I've been as far as spending more time on my, uh, on my SBC University teaching classes and different things like that. I'm about to go. Just that's going to be the only place you're going to find me, you know, because that's my business and I need to start, you know, paying more closer attention to my business and uh, making sure that everything is running smoothly over there. I know some of y'all got some complaints and things like that, and I'm aware of it. Don't think I'm not aware of it. Um, and I'm addressing, I am addressing it. I'm not totally oblivious, oblivious to what is going on. It's just that I'm one person and I'm, you know, I work all day. You know, I work from the time I get up to the time I go to bed every night. You know, I'm, I'm, I'm making videos. I'm, I'm reading documents. I'm researching things. You know, I'm doing it all day, every day. And if you want to make a contribution, let me tell you, donations. Let me talk about donations real quick before I get off. There's a book called The Law of Tenfold Return. I think a lot of people out there, they're under the impression when they give a donation. You know, I don't want to give a donation. That nigga help them, help them out. You know, everybody getting donations. But this is what you got to understand. You got to understand how the laws work. Okay. In order to receive, you have to give. Okay. If you make a statement in your mind that I'm giving this and it's going to come back to me tenfold, watch it not come back. I do it all the time. It has never failed. Not one time. It's never failed. Not one time. I look for homeless people to give stuff to. That's why donations, you see wealthy people do it. Wealthy people, the more they give, the richer they get. The richer they get, they can't even give their money away. As soon as they give it away, the universe gives them more than what they had before. So when I'm asking for a donation, you know, this we we are we all's research groups. You know, donate today. Y'all like to see free webinars on on the internet that we put out and everything. I'm not putting out any bad quality and stuff. As you can see, I put a lot of time and effort, make sure the audio is correct, make sure y'all can see the words on the screen, make sure you got a little music with it. You know, I'm, I got some other things I want to get creative with it to convey the information in a way that you can, um, you know, that you can understand it. You know, I, I, I'm, I, I was locked up. I understand this guy's in jails listening to those audios on the Internet. Some of them can't read. Some of them can't read very well, you know, but they can listen to an audio and understand it. But, you know, we have to have time to do all that. It takes no less than to make a good presentation. Like I just did that lawgiver. It took me about three days to do, you know, about three, four days to do, you know, to do that, you know, to do it well, to make sure, you know, everything's clear, words, all that kind of stuff, try to make sure. That's why you see errors in some of the stuff because, you know, you're working for so long, you know, it takes a long time to do. But what I understand is that once I get it done, I get it on the Internet, I don't have to do it again. Okay, there's the document. You don't have to read it. If you don't want to read it, you can listen to it on to your car. You know, y'all can tell me what document y'all want me to do next. I really want to do creditors and their bonds and put that on YouTube. That's what I really want to do. You know, I really want to do that. But that's a long project because the way I want to do it, I not only want to read you the document, I also want to show you the exhibits in the document. And I want to do it in a very nice way where y'all can understand, okay, here's step one, you do this. Here's step two, you do this. Here's step three, you do this. Here's step four, you do this. 
you know, all the way to your court case. They have a bill in equity in there as well. You know, and what a bill in equity is, you know, how after you finish your administrative process, how you go get a review done on it, a judicial review done on your process. And then you got to start to understand that these things are real because once you understand what you're doing, you can see that's what they're doing. They're doing the same thing. Don't let these people try to sit down and say, well, what you saying don't have no basis or nothing. You look at their paperwork, they're doing the same damn thing. They're doing the same thing. They're doing, they doing it to you. Writing your letters. Tell you don't answer in this amount of time. I, you know, they don't have to deep. The, the attorney don't have to go and get a notary because he's already an officer of the court. So you know, just just put put that in mind on what we're doing. You know, you hold court on paper. You got to to do any of these processes. The first thing you should learn how to do is how to do an administrative process properly. A lot of people don't know how to do it the right way. They don't know how to file claims, how to file a UCC-1 on something or UCC-3, okay? Given notices. I mean, don't let me use the word UCC-1, UCC-3. Everything is surrounding notices. Notices. You got to give notice. A large part of this all rests on giving proper notice to the opposing party, okay? So with that being said, I appreciate all of y'all, man. I appreciate all y'all. I really do. I. I want to thank y'all for listening. I'm going to catch y'all hopefully Sunday, you know, Sunday morning. I'm going to be on. And then I'll be on again on on Monday morning. I want to say peace to all the gods and goddesses. You've been listening to the hottest radio network on the planet. High frequency radio, y'all. Peace to the gods. I'm out. give you one piece of advice. Be honest. He knows more than you can imagine. At last. Welcome, Neo. As you no doubt have guessed, I am Morpheus. It's an honor to meet you. No. The honor is mine. Please, come. Sit. I imagine that right now you're feeling a bit like Alice. Tumbling down the rabbit hole? Say that. I can see it in your eyes. You have the look of a man who accepts what he sees because he is expecting to wake up. Ironically, this is not far from the truth. Do you believe in fate, Neil? No. Why not? Because I don't like the idea that I'm not in control of my life. I know exactly what you mean. Let me tell you why you're here. You're here because you know something. What you know you can't explain, but you feel it. 
you felt it your entire life, that there's something wrong with the world. You don't know what it is, but it's there, like a splinter in your mind, driving you mad. It is this feeling that has brought you to me. Do you know what I'm talking about? Matrix. Do you want to know what it is? The Matrix is everywhere. It is all around us. Even now, in this very room. You can see it when you look out your window or when you turn on your television. You can feel it when you go to work, when you go to church, when you pay your taxes. It is the world that has been pulled over your eyes to blind you from the truth. What truth? That you are a slave, Neo. Like everyone else, you were born into bondage, born into a prison that you cannot smell or taste or touch. A prison for your mind. Unfortunately, no one can be told what the Matrix is. You have to see it for yourself. This is your last chance. After this, there is no turning back. You take the blue pill. The story ends. You wake up in your bed and believe whatever you want to believe. You take the red pill. You stay in Wonderland. And I show you how deep the rabbit hole goes. Remember, all I'm offering is the truth, nothing more. This is a warning, another cut to move on. Another beat that's so strong, hold on and I get wicked and then some stir up shit is the wickedest wisdom. P dog coming up, I'm straight low, pro black and it ain't no joke. Coming straight from the mob that broke shit last time. Now I'm back with a brand new sick grind. So black check time and tempo. Revolution ain't never been simple. Following the path of mama for no just build your brain and will soon make progress. Page your dudes, don't snooze or lose. They came with the master plan and got two. So know who's opposed to the dominant dark skin. Food for thought is a law for the brother. P-Dog with a gift from heaven, tempo 116.7, keeps you locked in time with the program, when I get wild I'll pile on dope jams, then spit on your flag and government, cause help the black was a concept never meant, nigga please food stamps and free cheese, can't be the cure for a sick disease, just the way the devil had planned it, raped and pillaged everyone on the planet, and give them fake gods at odds with all law, love thy enemy and all that hoopla, here close to 
words I wrote. Crack cocaine is genocide of black folk. Who in their right mind ever could have missed this? Damn right when you think seditious and I move swiftly. You can't get with me. The triple six move quick but miss me. When I came off involved in conscious. So don't ask why next time I start this. To- Don't give a fuck to be free Keep stomping on them, keep stomping Attitude, but I ain't from Compton I can't be fucked around, I'm muffed around I can't be held down, check the sound And keep in tune on point on target The revolution won't be thwarted A setback cause my man is plain to see Must in a white supremacy So let the rhythm roll on when I kick this Brother's gonna work it out with a quickness And now you know just why a panther went crazy The devil made me Yeah. 